Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. I'm Daniel Bryant, listening to Countercharge. I'm Jason Black, and you are, in fact, still listening to Countercharge, as I say this. <laughs> and I'm Scott Schlichter. And I'm Nate Johnson. And I'm Ralph Enough. And as you heard, we have four new voices on the show and the crew from Southeast Michigan. Well, technically not Southeast Michigan, because we have some Lansing people here as well. <laughs> but we'll get to that. <laughs> but before we get there, we got to do our hobby updates. We'll start with Daniel, because what I understand from Daniel is he has hobby ADD. Daniel, what have you been working on? Yeah, I've uh, I've been shifting gears, kind of ping-ponging around now that uh, the Trident Realm have been painted, that uh, I started working on Empire of Dust. Yesterday, I was working on a group of Enslaved Guardian archers. Today has been mummies. Been priming some uh, Empire of Dust for Armada and a couple of pieces for uh, uh, Victory at Sea as well. Awesome. Well, let's throw it over to Jason. More ogres for you, Jason, or what are you working on? Not yet. I think I painted most of my my 2,300 point ogre list in like two and a half months or something like that. So I'm a it little was amazing. Yeah, I did like 20 goblins in one day. Thank you. <laughs> it was a little exhausting too. So I I got to the point once I got to the point where I was done painting, I immediately started just building stuff. Just whatever random stuff I could reach while I was like playing D on Discord. Built a bunch of random 40k stuff I'll probably never use, and then decided to I got I got some some uh, what do you call it bolt action stuff at the at the tournament, and uh, I was like, oh, I'm gonna build this tank. You know, I'm at work. Don't don't put. No, nah, it's fine. No one's gonna listen to this podcast that I work with. I built my half track, and I was like, cool. Uh, ooh, terrain. And I, was like, <laughs> I have terrain DD. I love building terrain, and I cut myself off because I was like, no, terrain is in ogres. So I'm thinking about armies, and I am planning on waiting pretty much for the regular book to come out so that I can I can go, oh, okay, that's not a thing, or that is a thing, or whatever, before I start building stuff. But I wouldn't worry about it. I, the, the changes are <laughs> really the changes to the units themselves are minimal. I don't think there's other than Twilight Kin not being in the book. I, I think yeah, there's no like missing units. We're gonna have to come away. back to that. Dan's gonna have to say something about that. <laughs> he will have words, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Well let's throw it over to Scott. I mean, do you have time to hobby with all your Etsy store stuff? Yeah, I mean so so the the Etsy store is just a printing nightmare. I mean my dad and I we have like six machines now just going on stop wow. but for in terms of hobby stuff outside of that because that really is its own thing i'm in two phases so i'm in research phase which is i'm thinking about varinger honestly forces of nature has been on my uh, sites too so i just yeah, been cool. gathering models pictures budgeting putting it together and stressing my wife out at the same time <laughs> um she's telling me i got to print something not dead so i might do forces of nature just to go full swing this is alive this is green you know lots of colors but, you know, I also have some coworkers kind of bothering me to get into Conquest, too. So I picked up some of that as well. But that's about it. Awesome. And last but not least, let's start over to Nate. I'm sure you've got a lot going on. Oh, yeah. Free dwarves, baby. <laughs> that's <laughs> what I'm looking way. at right now. Uh, got some dwarf stuff. And it's cool that from, like, I didn't expect that rifles would be a thing. That's the free dwarves get. And cannons. I had kind of this feeling that they were going to be more like, Highlanders, bare-chested, running in kilts across the forest, which I'm into, but um, <laughs> uh, they could be that too. But the fact that they actually do still seem to have a brain, they're just 
not, you know, someone has to explain to me at some point as well. If you want to talk about Twi'lekin, how are Imperial Dwarves not evil? I don't get that too. I'm right there with you, Nate. <laughs> I, I think they are. Yeah, I think they're, that's a tyranny, man. The free dwarves are oppressed people. 100%. Yeah. Free the just trying dwarves. To free. I've been saying all along, we need to have the narrative go where the free the free dwarves overthrow the tyranny of Golic and, and all that nasty stuff and uprise awesome. and uh, wipe them off the planet. Get rid of them. <laughs> That'd <laughs> be awesome. All we have under dwarves. the planet. It doesn't work. It doesn't work, man. Exactly. <laughs> or just seal off their minds and keep them in there. And then that's it. You don't have to hear from them anymore. Everyone's but that's going to shut down the global economy, man. You got to keep the minds running. For sure, yeah, it's true. Let's not talk sure. about Basilian economics here. We cannot allow. <laughs> we, we we mentioned Twilight Kin, so before we get started, let's talk about Twilight Kin. Daniel, I know you got words to say about Twilight Kin. Mm-hmm. Words that uh, well, I mean, last year um, I brought my my desert elves to the GT, and I actually fielded them as Sylvan Kin at the time, but had since kind of retooled them towards Twilight Kin. So finding out they're they're not in the book, I've just been. Going over to the army, looking at it for a long period, going, "What are you now?" <laughs> but, uh, once I get a copy of the the red book, I'll probably be uh, looking at at whether or not I retool them back into being Sylvan Kin again, or if I'll have to go with with Goody Two Shoes elves. Hey, when I first saw them, they were Sylvan Kin, so I yep. think they can go back. <laughs> for those who don't know, obviously they pulled them out of the book because they are retooling the. Let's take a few steps back. First edition. Twilight can really weren't a thing. But at some point they did pop up and they had a model range, which let's just be honest, was really terrible. <laughs> like maybe <laughs> the worst model range ever. Because it was, I'm not a fan of the hybrid kits, which are plastic models with metal bits to change them. So they had yeah. the plastic elves and you and you add bits. They do that with EOD, they do that with the Bissell Dwarves. So they had a bunch of those things back in the day. And I mean, but they did also have a McHale model, you know, back back then who was riding a horse. It was pretty cool. But I think it's that they've had an identity crisis. I think they started off as dark elves, and then, then they're like, no, 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 we're abyssals. So then they had all these abyssal elements added to the list, and they're like, no, 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 we're nice talkers. So I think at this point, I think they just want to take it off the block and say, look, let's just redo it, which, you know, I, I get it, because at the point when you have 29 armies, it's like the, the argument can be made, well, man, what's the difference between this army and this army? Not much. So make an army that's really unique and, and has a, a a different characterful way to maybe 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 battle maybe something different that we haven't seen fingers crossed that's what we end up with something that's not dark elves but also not just elves with night stalkers with abyssals something, something. <laughs> not abyssal elves well, yeah I think it would be exactly. kind of cool if mantic makes their own their own little thing i mean i say go for it whatever whatever makes them stand out more so than any other fantasy game that's that's good you're right on the, the nose there, Scott. I, I mean, take their orcs. Their orcs are not stupid, idiot orcs standing around slobbering on themselves like other game systems. Like, they're cunning, right? They're there to, like, yeah, really cool. mix it up. Yeah, and, and I think that when you take it and you don't just follow the classic fantasy trope and you put your own spin on it, for me, at least, I think it's more interesting that way. So, hopefully, they'll do it uh, the same thing. But, Daniel, throw it back to you. What are you hoping for Twilight Kin? I mean, what would you like to see in the Twilight Kin? And we'll go around the room. You know, Daniel, Jason, Scott, Nate. What are you guys hoping for it when they get back? You know, and, and be fair, this might be a year or two before we see Twilight Kin again because they're officially not going to be out of the game until March of next year. So, well, um, myself, I'm kind of interested to see where they're going with that. I, I don't know if I necessarily have, uh, I, if I have a hope, it's that my models will remain relevant for it. Um, but 
um, talking with with uh, Blake Schrode about it, he had had some suggestions that he was thinking they were going to go with more of a like mutated elf, like ha- exhibiting nightmarish traits to him. I think that'd be a cool route for him to go with it. That um, that at that point, I think I'll probably have to to heavily retool him back into the Sylvankin for my desert elves. I think for for the Twilightkin, especially if, if you're looking at like new kits, and if that's going to be around the time Clash is coming out, so maybe we'll be looking at a new army box, like a, a two-player starter set sort of deal with them. I could definitely see that working well for, for Mantic on it, and I'd like to see what they do with a, a sort of a, a mutant elf list for it. That'd be pretty metal. Yeah, it would be awesome. Yeah. Jason, Jason, what about you? What are you thinking? You know, I, li- I like I like Dan's mutant elf list. The thing, because I actually just recently re- actually finally read through all the fluff, and I was like, I wasn't, they didn't stand out all that much. The Night Stalkers did. I, I always thought the Night Stalkers were like, well, okay, whatever. And then I read, I was like, no, these guys are actually pretty cool. And so I like that kind of, I do, I do kind of like the idea that the Twilight Kin are sort of like the abyssal dwarves of Night Stalkers and elves, respectively. Yeah, that's really um, cool. And so I'm like, I, yeah, it seems sort of more like, okay, well, the Night Stalkers are like manifest nightmares what happens when that kind of mutates actual meat people, right? Made of, of flesh and blown blown. Yeah. Flesh and blood <laughs> and bone. Maybe. Yeah. Plus I, you know, I like, I like fallout. So, you know, weird mutants could be fun. Yeah. Uh, the whole like turtled elf look sounds, sounds exciting to me. <laughs> that, that would be pretty cool. Turtled elf. I like it. Yeah. Scott, what are you thinking? Well, you know, man, if I'm honest, uh, as much as I was just saying it's cool if Mantic does their own thing, I- I'm kind of a sucker for classic stuff, too. So if they just do, like, some paint elves, you know, just make the models look legit, make them, like, a-, a work of art, then I'm cool with that. But the more I keep hearing mutant elves, I mean, that's pretty sweet, too. <laughs> I feel like you could do so much with that. You listening, Ronnie? So, All right. We got some, we got some ideas. <laughs> Nate, what are you thinking about Twilight, uh, King? Yeah, well, from my experience, um, literally – I was at Michigan GT last year, and I think that Dan was like, hey, I'll be there. I'm going to be playing this thing called King's War. I've never heard of it. And I walk over, and he's doing that desert elves with a heavy blood magic theme, which is something that looked so cool that here I am, a year, a hundred hours of painting in, all that investment and stuff. Like, he really sold the idea of bad elves there with that. So (laughs) I think that there's a lot of area to explore. If you want to go into elves that aren't uh, flawless, yeah the the lore dip that I, I kind of used when I was building that that list last year um, was that they were part of the the southern kindred that had been mm-hmm. they'd been losing land to the the Ophidian waste for years and years and said all right well let's fight fire with fire and and their take on on the green lady was all right well the desert's harsh here's we're gonna start worshiping the the Spires of the Sun. Um, we've stolen a few books from Ophidia and are starting to kind of dabble. And that's where the the um, Gorgons started showing up as four shamblers and um, that uh, the snake people for the defenders of the wild and that sort of thing. Um, in addition to having the giant burning goddess Wilt Mama wandering the, the battlefield. <laughs> I think yeah. it's so cool. The um. And Dan's not alone in this. I felt like that was part of what really pulled me into it was I was walking around talking to Dan and like for everyone, 
the lore was like a starting point for them for Kings of War. And then they all found their own takes that made them feel like unique and individual and really invested that this was their army. So, yeah, I want to see that. I want to see a lot of that. And let's put a pin on that because we get a we get a rap that like, oh, Kings of War is just all about co- competitive players. And I don't think that's the case. Even when you go to a tournament, there's a lot of people that showed up that have put a lot of effort into background stories for their army mm-hmm. and explain the narrative for why they're on the table. You know, and I think the Twilight Kin are a, a classic example that uh I, I love the fact they're misunderstood. Well I, I just love the fact <laughs> that their their arc is changing. So maybe they did start off as a basically a, a dark elf and maybe they did have an affiliation with Abyssals or Night Stalkers. But now they've been so in contact with the Night Stalkers, they're no longer elves. They're like they're in my mind they're like mutated beasts and they're just they've kind of lost that sense of elfnish if that's a word uh you know i i'm just i'm super excited to see where they take it because i think you know scott uh, something that's unique i want to see something that no other company has has done before and you know uh, jason mentioned night stalkers i think you know night stalkers and northern alliance basiland i mean those are some really unique ips i mean basiland that, that that well in one sense that classic good army that's so good they're bad Right, and then the Night Stalkers. I mean, how cool is it to have an army that invades your mind? And you're like, ah, run, run away, right? Yeah, or the Northern sure. Alliance, which is, are, are the chaos? Well, they're they're good guys, though. So yeah, it's <laughs> is democracy chaos? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, it can be. <laughs> yes, definitely, it very well can be. Um, all right, go ahead, Nate. Yeah, just uh, along the idea of all those things that you're going through, um, the fact that. That is, I think, something that should be more explored is that Night Stalkers hold territory in the minds of the people that they terrify. That's how they spread. And I think that's fantastic lore, that Mm -hmm. if enough people get scared, a door appears and Night Stalkers pour out. And those who survive carry on the fear. And I think that is – that's really cool. Yeah, I've yeah. been describing them as they're the Cthulhu of the world, but they're more than that. They're they're really – Don't read the book. (laughs) It's that's, it's cool. I think awesome. the Night Stalkers are really unique. Yeah. They are. Oh yeah. I'd say the Night Stalkers are like they're super cool. They're actually they they jumped way high up on my potential next armies list. <laughs> and, and now they've been nerfed back into oblivion. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite. A bunch of little little adjustments. We'll say. We'll say. All right. Well, we've touched on a lot of stuff, but what we didn't do is we didn't get to meet you guys. So let's talk origin stories. We'll start with Daniel. Daniel, just talk to us how you got into gaming. Gosh, I've been been gaming now for like a good twenty years or so. I started back with with D and D back in in grade school, and for tabletop wargaming, that was I think that was back in college. Uh, that's where how I know uh, Nate that uh, we were uh, friends and and kind of roommates back in in college, and um, uh, we started out with forty k there, um, and then from there I started uh, moving into other gaming with. Kings of War itself. Um, I I was a refugee from the old world, so um, twenty nine refugee from the Sundering. Yeah. We get it. Yeah, twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen was a big year for a lot of people. Yeah. It hurt, man. Yeah. yeah, and for a few years, I just uh, I wasn't doing uh, a lot of of war gaming in general. Then I started playing Flames of War for a bit. Twenty nineteen, I went to the GT. Um, wasn't in, in its current location now. It was uh, at a hotel over in the south side of town. I was checking out the armies, going, you know, I could I could get into this, and 
Um, then the, the pandemic happened and I was like, well, I guess I'll paint something eventually <laughs> and during the, the pandemic times. Uh, that's when I, uh, the desert elves I keep mentioning it were uh, a Kickstarter from TT combat. And I saw them and, and like the units kind of mirrored the old Warhammer dark elf lists. And I was like, man, I could go and use these a lot of different ways. Got excited and got that. That was about a year or so before, uh, the 2021 GT, Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I ended up finally churning those out and barely got them done in time for, for the, the tournament last year. That's awesome. Let's start over before I get to Jason. Where'd you guys go to school? Uh, Lawrence tech down in uh Southfield area. That's awesome. Right. Awesome. I work across oh. the street. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Fantastic. Well, let's start over Jason. Let's get a little origin story. Yeah. So um, I also got started in uh, middle school. So I mean, I think it's like middle school. I graduated in 2000. So this was like uh, mid nine, early mid nineties. And like, so I started dabbling in D and D and magic without actually really knowing half the rules and stuff. And then um, in, in high school, I think it was, I was, I think I was 14. I got the, I split the second edition box set for 40k with my friend john um it's the one with the the orcs and the space marines and they were all those like monopose like you just glue the guns on the front of them goths and stuff and then we split successive ones um so the very tail end of second maybe third edition never finished an army not once um i was we, we we played a lot of games where we didn't really you know follow half the rules and stuff i mean we were young whatever um and then I got a lot more heavily into role playing for a long time. I still I still love role playing games, but they're I don't know. I I was a perini- I was like the forever GM sometimes, and I actually did, actually did yeah, do some. You down. Yeah, I did actually do some freelance writing for like Pathfinder and stuff, and and that was fun. But like I I was like you know I don't really want to run anymore, and I was like but I do love painting minis. And so I started getting back into like, what drew me back into wargaming was like, oh, I had a I dallied with hordes for a while too. I think I play, I think I in in my hordes career I went one in thirty two or something. And losing at hordes, <laughs> I've lost a lot of war, of games oh. of war too. Nate Nate can attest to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, losing at war machine is it's just more frustrating than losing at kings of war. I, I don't know why. Uh, and that was in that was in Lansing when I when I was there for grad school. That's when I I got into hordes uh, with their chunky metal trolls and stuff, which are cool models but eh. and i was like eh, i got kind of and i dabbled back into magic in and out and stuff like that um and eventually i was just like i'm i think i'm done with like oh like competitive games and stuff like that i'm gonna play kings of war or i'm gonna play <laughs> no uh, we'll get to that i was like oh i'm gonna get into like skirmish games and frostgrave and stuff and i was living in seattle at the time and just nobody in the state of washington cared about frostgrave and i was like well, i guess i'm not playing frostgrave and then i was like well everyone's playing kill team i guess i'll get into that and then the pandemic happened and i was like I forget that. And then I was like, well, I want to paint some dudes that aren't, you know, like they have like a uniform. So it's like, oh, I was going to go buy some kill team guys from one of the local stores and ninth edition 40 K had just dropped. So I have a ton of Necrons, which are cool and space Marines. I'll never use and no real desire to play 40 K. So I was like, well, I'm going to move back to Michigan. And I was like, Hey, Oathmark seems like a cool game. It's for the guy that's in Frostgrave. And I was like, Oh, it's got really cool models that aren't it's agnostic, but I'm like, ah, oh, cool. And I was like, I need to find some Oathmark players. And people on the Oathmark forum on Reddit are like, Yeah, nobody, you don't find Oathmark players. You convert Oathmark players. You should check out Kings of War. And I was like, 
Oh, okay. And then I actually stumbled onto some really old Reddit post from Scott. Um, because I was like, where are all the, <laughs> the champion of Reddit? I love right? it. I'm like, yeah, so old school. I love it, man. So old school. I love, I love it. it. Yeah. And then and we ended up meeting up and playing. And he taught me how to play Kings. And uh, I bought goblins off him on like sight unseen. And uh, well, here we are. <laughs> it was fun, man. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Are you excited, Jason, about the new fourth edition Warm Hordes coming out? Um, I haven't been following it. I like their models. I like their world. Uh, I actually played some of their RPG some. Um, but it's, it, it's like so much work, like, uh, cause it's funny. Cause like my friend, I was like, my man, man, nobody wants to play war machine, even though a bunch of people in this like club I used to go to, like used to play war machine. And my friend, John Eric, is like, well, he's like, yeah, but he's like, I can, the amount of work I have to put into a war game, I can just do the same amount to play a role-playing game. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair. So we were a really RP heavy group, but like we did a little bit of the, um, the in-house privateers who are in. Well, they're not in Seattle. They're in Redmond, which is, you know, just outside of Seattle. And like, but despite that, nobody was really playing their games, which I felt I felt kind of bad about. I was like, oh, that's sad. You guys are around the corner and people are, no, it's 40K. Um, it's got a lot of, uh, what can we say, mind share, I guess. But um, yeah, it's like, ah, these models are cool and I like their lore, but like, ah, the rule, it just feels... After playing Kings of War, it every all those other games feel really chunky, like really slow. Yeah, or the, the yeah, extra stuff just, like, you didn't need, a little yeah. fat on the, the Spanish games, a little different. Um, and I, I, I've been trying to get into solo gaming, but I have a little bit of hobby ADD myself. So <laughs> it's like okay, but I have all these. I, I have translated from I've transitioned from buying RPGs on a whim to buying war games rules on a whim because i do that too <laughs> i just yeah like yeah, i mean i just I, like to read the rules too yeah, yeah i like reading the rules and the, the fluff like i have age of sigmar and i have 40k and the fluff parts are cool like yeah cool this is fun i'm never gonna play these games <laughs> maybe i'll play the the one page rules knockoffs but <laughs> i think i think for me i think the the new fourth edition warm hearts coming out a couple things that are interesting number one is they have 3d printing as part of their uh, business model, oh. so they're going to use 3D printing to print That's the models nice. rather than traditional casting. So it's going to be very cool. interesting, right? Cool. And they actually have multiple sites around the world that are going to do the printing for them. So the oh. distribution issues—that's that's interesting. That's to me. cool. Yeah. And then the fact that they voluntarily uh, curtailed armies or builds—they've actually rained stuff in, uh, specifically, do they say to make it easier for the new player? So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of impact they have. Because uh, yeah. I think they're moving more in that direction of Kings of War, uh, which is a, a simple system to, to to pick up. And there's a lot of nuance there, but it's it's not overly complicated. It doesn't get in the way. So mm-hmm. gonna be interesting, Scott. How about you? Uh, origin story. I know you're you're an old guard of Kings of War at this point. But, uh, <laughs> I love Kings of War, man. <laughs> I don't know about old guard. I'm just as old as uh, as uh, Daniel at this point. I feel like we got kind of got in at the same time, but like independently. But I guess origin stories is, I mean, I've been gaming my whole life. I mean, I, I was kind of fortunate. My dad was like one of the original like Gygax era D&D guys. So I just was inherited all his collection at like eight years old. <laughs> like I remember my dad oh, wow. watching, you know, Dragon Strike. I don't remember that little VHS. Ooh, game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He would pop that in when my mom was gone and just like indoctrinate us <laughs> into playing, <laughs> playing games. But, uh, but he just came home one day. Uh, we moved, we were on the east side of Detroit. Now we're in, uh, you know, kind of Metro Detroit West side. And he just came home with Warhammer sixth edition. I was probably like nine. I liked drawing and painting at that time. So I think that was the original idea. And then, um, 
I don't know, I just fell in love with those orcs, man. It was like the coolest thing ever. And really, I've just been gaming ever since. Uh, kind of origin started off with Warhammer, but played lots of D and D. Kind of, kind of, kind of fell off with that and w- went into more like World of Darkness. That was kind of more my game in high school. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of board gaming. I love 4X games. That's probably my bread and butter, to be honest. Uh, lots of Twilight Imperium. Kind of picked that up on a whim when I was like 12. <laughs> and I never stopped <laughs> playing. Um, and yeah, I guess like uh, after they nuked um, Warhammer, I had all these armies. Um, I just kind of sold them. Had a couple left over. And then I, I moved out of state. Um, and then after returning, just didn't really have anything left. Wanted to try a new game. Me and my really good friend, Michael, who Rob, you've met. Um, actually, you have too, Daniel. Uh we just decided, hey, let's play Kings of War because we miss fantasy and we just do not want to play Sigmar, which we did try. It's just not for me. And then uh, I don't know, just went to the GT, and just immediately thought this is this is a good thing to get into, and then just been playing ever since. Which Fantastic. actually, I, I realized this morning, uh, Facebook reminded me that it was a year ago today that we had our epic battle. Really? Yep. That was wow. a good time, man. It was like it was like the the forging of a friendship at the same time. <laughs> It was really good. Yeah, it was it was a brawl of a, a match. That, yeah, that uh, was awesome. And really that like our match, Daniel, is like kind of the catalyst for our club in a way. It was like, all right, let's mix everyone <laughs> we know and let's make this happen. So let's throw it over to Nate. Yeah. For people in Michigan who know what you know, Great Lakes Crossing Food Court had a, a games time. workshop there. Oh yeah. That was a good that's, time. <laughs> that's really how I got started. And I like going in there. My dad, like yours, Scott, was super into sci-fi. So to see he loves Starship Troopers and to see people playing a game where it looked like it's Starship Troopers. And then I found out that I could play Eldar, which are like really good at killing them, made me sound, that sounded good to me. So did that for a long time. And that led to me playing with Dan in college where we moved into hordes and similarly like chunky, but amazing models everything felt so modern and updated after playing games workshop stuff and fell off a bit but uh after college until eighth edition uh 40k came around and they're like everything's opened up you can play anything you want i'm like cool by the time i looked into it it was ninth edition and they turned that all off again <laughs> so, <laughs> so fast so fast oh that's funny that's funny. but I had gotten into at least to know a couple guys so that when the pandemic happened, they said, hey, we're keeping sane by playing uh, 40K over Tabletop Simulator and Discord. While I was doing that, that led me to playing uh, Infinity because they started playing that. And then I happened to meet during when we like the first in-person game that we did of Infinity, like the, the, the start of the end of the pandemic was at Gatekeeper. And Dan happened to be dropping by the same day. So I started talking to Dan again. And that led to me learning about the GT, seeing him. And I've already talked about that. So that's how I got to here. I mean, let's go around. Kind of give me a sense of where you guys play at. Because I know you guys are not. And maybe tell us where you live in Michigan, too. Because obviously you guys are a little spread out. So, Daniel, we'll start with you. Well, I'm uh, here in the the Lansing area. Um, And, well, there's... Still a small community here in Lansing. Most of the time I've been heading over to uh, Detroit area. Um, usually either uh, Gatekeeper there. I think it's... Or no, Upkeep is in, in Howell. Um, yeah. Gatekeeper is further east over in the Detroit area proper. 
they're rather nice though because they actually have taps in the store that um yeah it's, it's, it's awesome to be able to have cool. a point and roll dice at the same mm-hmm. time it's like but, dan's um, two favorite things yeah it's, it's pretty <laughs> nice. me too me too yeah <laughs> jason how about you um yeah same we the first time i met up with scott we played at a little store called eternal games which is in warren um i actually live in in for now for in clinton township which is on kind of the other side of metro almost from everybody else but um which none of none of which is very far as the crow flies but all of which is terrible to drive through traffic sucks yeah yeah, construction is so bad but yeah this little store in warren and like they, they don't have they don't they don't do actually a lot of wargaming they have a couple tables they have a seems like a pretty solid like uh crisis protocol set there people play that a lot but like i they don't they don't sell a lot of wargaming stuff so we were kind of like looking around um raw is we we played a little bit of dead zone at raw they're they haven't really fully opened their play space up yet to play like kings of war which is unfortunate because they're like around the corner from where i work they're just you know they did yeah they bought into armada which i'm i'm excited about and they bought into uh firefight so hopefully that translates to more people playing yeah they have a whole mantic isle now so that's nice yeah <laughs> yeah well, they awesome. they recently kind of like re well i think they like op- they they opened the store back up to more of its a pre-pandemic state um i hadn't actually been there pre-pandemic um or if i had it had been so long but like yeah, it's 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 a little more open now, which is ironic because you know, oh, pandemic. But like, yeah, they they got a lot of 40k, but you know, they've also got some of the fun stuff that we like. So, but uh, yeah, and there's this other place, Bastion, um, that I believe, yeah, Nate already mentioned that. Oh, love that store. It's Bastion cool. is in Bloomfield. I can't remember where it is. Yeah, um, the edge of Pontiac store too, and that yeah. it doesn't sell magic cards. Yeah, yeah. They, it's yeah. really focused on war games and D anD D, which that's is interesting. That's unusual nice change. <laughs> yeah, you guys can't see the look of shock that just crossed people's faces here. Like, <laughs> oh, that's, that's unusual because even if it doesn't focus on it, usually every store has magic has, cards. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's got a like like an end cap of like one <laughs> aisle is magic, and then the rest is honestly it's just it's just war games. Yeah, sounds like my kind of place. Scott, how about you? Uh, where are you located and kind of give me a sense of where you're playing or so, did the guys already spill the beans? No, I mean, uh, I guess we've mentioned RIW that's in Livonia. That's where, that's where I live. I'm, I'm from Canton, which is just a stone's throw over from Livonia. That's basically just like West side of town. Also uh, plagued with construction issues. And um, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like since I was a kid has really exploded, it just becomes a shopping center. <laughs> that side of town, you can get whatever you want, <laughs> but yeah. And I, um, I think when it comes to gaming, we pretty much, I feel like Eternal Games and Bastion's been where I've met up with you guys, but I used to live right next to Gatekeeper, so I've, I've been there a few times. Towards a date. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, and let's, another shout out, Gatekeeper next to Green Lantern Pizza. Really oh, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. super mm-hmm. good. But yeah, Bastion, definitely closest for me. I'm glad that so many people have made the trek up here, a little bit north compared to everything else, but um, like they said, really trying to focus in on that wargaming thing, a lot of Dungeons and Dragons as well. They've got a lot of rooms. They've got a lot of, it's a really clean store with great lighting and all that stuff. So they're hosting tournaments. They want to get into 3D printing and all this other stuff too. And also of all the places I've been to, I've never been to a place before where like you can just kind of chat with store owners and other people there and have a good conversation. So I really like the place. Yeah, it's funny that you say that too, Nate, because that was my first impression too. When I first went there, I was like, man, the staff is super personable. 
It was yeah. it was really cool. It was kind of a fresh breath of air. Yeah, different than I feel like there are a lot of other places are like, are you going to buy something? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> in today's hobby or in today's wargaming space that we live in, most people are gravitating towards faster, easier, quicker. The, the skirmish games, you know, the, the the Marvel Crisis Protocols. You know, you guys are kind of going counter meta to what everybody else is pushing for. And so what is it that is attracting you to Kings of War and keeping you here when there is all these other offerings where maybe you need less models? Maybe, you, you know, I, I'm just curious. Ranks and Flanks is certainly an acquired taste. And, and obviously uh, you guys are addicted. Daniel, we'll start with you. I think for me, it's the game is structured well so that 2000 points, you can get a two hour game and it plays quickly. It plays well at the GT this year, five games in. No rule checks needed. Nobody had to go and flag down a judge for for any of that sort of thing. the The rule book's straightforward. Um, but to, to me, that's part of what really sells me on it. That I could be playing something quicker, but I also think back to to the old GW where you had to go and pull out the book every time you wanted to start looking up lapping or something like that for a, a melee. You might get one game in for the day, maybe two if you're lucky. And that uh, while three is, is it's a workout for Kings of War, it's also not not unreasonable either. I have forgotten completely about the, the weapon skill table, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm oh, weapon skill yeah. eight, never, I'm hitting weapon skill four, it. and yeah. having to like do the thing, and then it's like, ah. Oh. Yeah, those those were the days. Those were the days. Same question to you, Jason. Yes, I mean, like basically everything Dan said. Like it, as weird as it sounds, it kind of plays in my mind. It plays more like a skirmish game in that it's it's fast than like say forty k. Where like yeah, we were for like a thousand point games. We it was taking us two three hours to play those. I mean, the last time I think I played forty k was in fourth edition towards the end of that cycle, and I think it took us. Just for like a thousand point game, it took us like three, four hours. And I'm like, this is a lot of work. But then add to everything Daniel said that I, ne- I never got into Warhammer Fantasy. I wanted to. But like, you know, we it was sort of like we had already bought into 40K. So we didn't get into fantasy very much. I, I did get, I think, the sixth edition starter. The one with the or the one with the, the um, Bretonian Empire. Uh, well, no, fifth edition. Fifth edition. And those have been. Yeah, yeah, and, and um, so, and actually, my lizard men are part of of Nate's <laughs> Nate's army now, uh, which makes them constantly yeah. trouncing me slightly more embarrassing. Vintage right, bottles yeah. always win. <laughs> it's but uh, like, yeah, yeah. Thank I you always... again so much for like, giving those yeah. to me, Jason. I really enjoyed them. Yeah, they're great. I I really wanted to play Warhammer, and then I, then you know I went away, and I was like, well, that's disappointing. And then I was like, oh, there's this Kings of War game. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh, yeah, like the rank and flank, because I'm also a history nerd, like to to the extreme and war games always just kind of appealed to me and the rank and flank stuff like because i'm always more in, i've always kind of been more attracted to games that either take place in fantasy or are like far enough back that i don't feel quite as like like oh no this <laughs> like bolt action is kind of like a big deal for me because it's like ah this is still too soon or still too recent i'm like there, there are still like repercussions from these wars but, uh, you know, if you go to the War of the Roses, like, whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're over it. <laughs> and yeah, so, that, that just ranks right. and flanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Ranks well, something you said there kind of hit on, hit on something, and, and maybe you've answered the question perfectly, which is, if you think about it, it ranks, you know, Kings of War is an element-based game where you have a unit, really. It's a base size. And if you consider that one piece, 
you know, you're only playing with 13 pieces. So in, in some, some people think that that might be a skirmish game, right? Cause you're not moving 200 miles. Yeah. You're moving 20 miles or 15 miles. So yeah. maybe you solved I think it. You nailed Jason. it there. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. nailed it, Jason. So boom. Well, Scott, how about you, sir? Well, honestly, I think at this point, it's just the people. I mean, uh, I mean, my guys here and then uh, at the Michigan GT, I just thought everyone was exceptionally nice, exceptionally fun. And the fact that the game kind of lends itself to that kind of person where like what Danny was saying, yeah, it's light, it's skimmed down, but it's, um, you know, it's open. You, you can just roll dice, have fun, or even like what we were saying, get a pint too while you're playing. It really does feel like um, kind of like chess in a way where it's like abstract enough where you can read the rules once, you know how to play, but then there's so many, so many ideas that you can roll with it compared to other systems. I mean, the thing that really draws me into the miniatures thing is just the painting. I'm not the best painter, but I, I do enjoy it. I, I love seeing what people can do and having a big, epic, classic fantasy army on the table. Man, that's just such a cool sight where you're playing the game and you can stand back from the table and go, man, this is awesome. Like, look what we made. It just looks so good. So I think those are those are like the two draws is uh, the people and then and, and kind of entwined with that, the rule set. And then also just the fact that the armies look awesome. Yeah, I think that these guys have hit a lot of the good points. And I feel like somehow Kings of War has hit a sweet spot because it has that skirmish element feeling of facing matters, movement matters. You're not moving a large number of units in a fiddly amount of ways where you're constantly reaching for your measuring tape. Um, it was incredible to me when I went from playing Kill Team, where it was, I went into that because it seemed like chill compared to the other games I've been playing, where I had two books open and an FAQ stuff that I had just dropped before the tournament in order to play. Uh, everyone had that open all the time in order to get anything done. And then I went over here to watch people play Kings of War, and the tables have nothing but models on it. Maybe they glance at their lists, and they're smiling at each other. <laughs> like having a good time. I think that like uh, Hordes and War Machine, they have almost made their game too fun and complex in a way because uh, when I played, I also sucked at it because I would just try to line up my mechs so that they could like toss an enemy mech back and forth between them or something like that. <laughs> like it's really cool that they had that as a rule, but it's tactically a terrible idea. So I kind of feel like, why did they put it in the game then? <laughs> I feel like I've joined a chess club where positioning matters, where you have to really think about how other people can move. And um, there's very little amount of randomness in the positioning and a lot of the effects that they have on each other. So um, you're able to think ahead in a way where you're able to just kind of see a series of steps and see a war play out and then try to enact it. Uh, and then, and then like giant lizards eat ogres. It's awesome. <laughs> that part it's, makes it's, it fun. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. interesting that you bring up the fact that it is less determined or more deterministic than mm -hmm. some of the other games. Cause I know, I know that was the big contention with eighth edition Warhammer fantasy was that there was random charge distances and, and other things like that. And a lot of people were like, look, I want a game where, a little bit of randomness is okay, but not like, hey, am I going to make this charge? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and you hit on the head. I mean, deployment and movement is the game, really, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's not really about list building. It's about, hey, I got the tools. I'm putting them in the right, the right place to be successful. So uh, it's, a, it's a, a great game. We'll open up with Daniel first, but, you know, obviously one of the things that a lot of people love about Kings of War is the, is the hobby aspect because diorama bases are kick-ass. We'll start with the guy who doesn't do diorama bases first i've got i've got too much of a uh 
a pile of, of shame down here in the basement that uh, I, I just, for me, terrain, Jason and I are kind of on polar opposites on this because I am not a terrain person whatsoever that uh, I'm already always thinking, well, what am I going to be painting for my next army on it? And I, I look at the the idea of doing the, the display piece for him, like, or I could churn out a couple of units that I've, I've been wanting to do for a while that aren't actually key to an army. And that usually ends up winning for me. But uh, fr- from the hobby aspect, though, I really like uh, one of the things that helps sell me on, on Kings of War is the fact that it isn't a a model specific. You have to have this for that. Getting to see some of the, the really creative armies. I'm thinking of the uh, the Smurfs at Adepticon. Like that was that was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, John mm-hmm. Carter la- last week with his uh, Squirrelkin army yeah like, the racket army that were a bunch of squirrels and they had awesome. rocky and bullwinkle it was really neat oh yeah that, that uh i like that it has that level of creativity to it the the fact that you don't have to be working exclusively within the confines of it has to be mantic although for the gt i that was actually the confine i set myself to as i tried to go all mantic for for my models uh this year for the the empire of dust that i'm working on right now I've got a little bit of, of Mantic in there. I've got a little bit of TT Combat. There's going to be some 3D printed one-page rule units in there. And you can bring that to a, a tournament and they'll be like, okay, it looks good. Go for it. Yeah, from the hobby aspect, that uh, that's part of, of what really drew me into the game on it. Awesome. How about you, Jason? You know, honestly, a lot of the same. Like, I haven't, I haven't really gotten into. I, I unit based my my ogres and goblins because that's just brilliant, and I don't want to move. A, 60 goblins are you kidding me like i i haven't gotten into like cool diorama bases yet because i just i couldn't think of anything to do with them but i really i find that really appealing and i've seen some really amazing stuff both in person and online that i'm like this is so cool i want to do this i mean my army with the exception of the big deal because mantic hasn't made a mammoth yet my my big deal is from a song of ice and fire like i everything else in that army my army is mantic so far Oh, and one 3D printed goblin with a guitar. <laughs> naturally. So, as you, yeah. Naturally, as you do. As yeah. You. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this is super cool. I'm like, I can do a, a whole Mantic army, but I'm like, I know I could have brought Trollkin mixed in there and everything else, and it could have worked. I've got a bunch of Age of Sigmar Night Haunts that I ended up with for various reasons, and I love those models. And I'm like, I really want to use these in Kings, and I'm leaning towards using them for, for Night Stalkers because they look cool and nightmarish. And if I use them for undead, I would have to just basically run Scott's list against them. And that would be boring. <laughs> I'm like, ah, mirror matches. That's not, no, that's not fun. I was like, yeah, I'm like, I could just, I've, I've got mo- probably have most of an army between that and some crazy evil magic spells that are for some reason, giant miniatures in age of Sigmar. I'm like, I've got enough stuff to probably build to certainly build like some ambush scale stuff and just be able to plonk down some cool looking dudes, figure out what I'm doing with them. And then, Paint them yeah. at a better pace than I'm excited did. about oh, ambush. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Am very excited about it. That. <laughs> yeah, well, let's put a pin in that when we get when we get done. Let's just talk about that, Scott. What about you in the hobby? Well, if we're talking about multi basing specifically, I think it is the coolest thing. I've done <laughs> it myself, but I was also really afraid of it. And even on the forum, I'm, I'm <laughs> posting. And I'm like, hey guys, do you guys multi base? Who does not who does? I just like having options and i feel like you know even though kings of war is kind of like my flagship miniatures game at the moment it might be fun to also use these models in other contexts 
So I did, I like half my army is multi-based and the other half isn't, but my next army is for sure going to be multi-based. I just think it looks way better. I think it's like a, from like an art perspective, there's so much more you could do with it. I don't know about dioramas. I don't know about like hills and all that. I don't know if I could really pull that off. So I think I might. You can, you can do you it. Think so you got people in this, on this call that can help you. Yeah, so, I guess we yeah, can. You can do it. We could do it. So right now in my, in my cart, I have a bunch of. Uh, MDF bases. I could 3D print them, but I, I do think wood works a little better for that. Uh, for that kind of thing. I just love the feel of wood bases too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I really do. I do have nice, 3D yeah. printable wood, which I'm trying to develop into something, but it's uh really messy. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just gonna use MDF stuff. Well, we know Nate loves the hobby, so tell us. I do, um, but uh, painting is my least favorite part of it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I would, uh, I do enjoy it though, and definitely it's going to be multi-basing for me going forward. Um, I think it looks great. Um, I don't know the level of detail I'll go into, but I very much look forward to. Well, is multi-basing? See, this is how much of a noob I am. Is that where there's each guy has their own base or not? The opposite. Where okay. everyone. Oh, no, it's just one big elemental base, and everybody's okay. on and glued to yeah. it. Yeah, like I, as I, opposed I, to individual. As opposed to individual basing, where you put them in a a movement yeah, tray. You, you have me at elemental. So I'll go with that way, where uh, they're all sharing a base, of, uh, five in a row, whatever, whatever the right number is. Um, definitely exceptions for things like big cavalry units, where you can split them apart into heroes and stuff. I like that that's an option, but um, I do want to start putting the troops into troops, and then I'll combine them into regiments and hordes and whatnot from there. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna be doing that too. The way. Yeah, and I know Daniel does that a lot. Bases everything on the smallest unit and combines mm -hmm. them together. Yeah, uh, you can do that either in a movement tray or actually I've started where I just buy a bigger MDF base and put magnets in it and they just snap to it and then mm -hmm. take four troops to make a horde or two regiments to make oh, a that's horde. Pretty, uh, that's yeah. actually pretty smart. That way you can do any – there's like an endless amount yeah. of configurations. You just got to paint a bunch of minis. Oh, I should do that. I feel like that's – There you go. Yeah. That's yeah. the play. That's, that's the, the play. Way. This is this is the way. This is the way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Nate brought it up, so let's talk about the, the the new rule set that's in the new red book called Ambush. Uh, for those who don't remember, that's games under nine ninety five. Essentially, you don't get all the cool stuff. They, they to try to temper it a little bit. You know, if you're you're playing under seven, I think seven fifty. It's uh, two hundred points max for a unit, and that includes all artifacts and upgrades. Uh, if you're between seven. 50 and 995 you can go up to 250 they have a lot of rules about restrictions but the, the big one is no hordes no legions that's a big one and then um, a max combined of any heroes any monsters any titans any war engines you can take a total of three period in the uh, list does, in the list yeah and, and and individually you can only take one of any element so if you have a spellcaster say a warlock for uh, ogres you can only take one warlock and that contributes to the, the total of three. And I've played a couple of games. And what's an interesting thing is the cool stuff that you want to take the game to win the game. If you take those cool things, now I don't have enough inspiring. I like I, I played three games on uh, a week ago, Wednesday, and uh, it was awesome. We played three games in two hours. <laughs> yeah, three games That's in two awesome. hours. Cool. Yeah. Yes. But I didn't have enough inspiring. So a lot of my stuff died because I'm like, ah! <laughs> you know, because I'm like, no inspiring, no inspiring. So it's a it's an interesting compromise that you have to you make just yourself. try playing salamanders like everything inspires in that arm well that's what i'm saying like you just take the ancients right and you're good yeah yeah, yeah those yeah. guys do not die <laughs> so maybe we'll start with nate this time what is what is exciting to you about ambush 
more games. You said it. That's pretty much uh, particularly... Uh, we need to... A, people come to Michigan because uh, we four guys here, we play each other a lot. And we aren't like a lot of those cool folks that we talk to uh, during the GT who have like 19 armies. We don't have that. So love to see some more variety. And like when you're trying to design for those big lists, it is you don't feel like you get to play as much, you know? Yeah, it's daunting. Like having yes, a massive list. Like I got to paint, you know, 200 right. models, which is fun. But yeah, then we can't play because we're yeah. busy painting. <laughs> If yeah. we get to play Ambush, I get to see my dwarves on the table sooner. Daniel, Jason, what do you guys want to chime in? What are you, what are you guys thinking about Ambush? Uh, oh, same, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say New Blood. That, uh, new Blood. I think Ambush mm-hmm. is really good for, for introducing new players to the, the game. That It's one where you can go and, and I can see a lot of, of uh, Mantic's Pathfinders showing up at a hobby shop, having a games day, and saying, hey, want to spend 40 minutes learning how to play this game? and throw down an ambush list for it. Uh, I think that's it's a brilliant move on that part for it. The other thing is getting to test out units. Mm-hmm. I think ambush is going to be great for that because... Um, and unit combos, small combos. That, uh, these guys had to deal with me the last year completely overhauling my list over mm-hmm. and over again, working at, <laughs> in water elementals, working out water elementals... Do I use the Kraken? Do I not use the Kraken? And I think that gives an opportunity to be able to go and throw those units against another unit and a variety of different units. Still get a match in, but also get to see how those units fare. And do you keep them? Do you toss them when you're building up that bigger uh, army? I I think we had a... It was kind of sad a game that Dan and I had because it's like, I'm really interested in the Kraken. We started playing and... I like killed the Kraken in the first turn and then we had to play like four more hours or whatever. The, the Knucker is a good example of that. Cause I had the, the Knucker exiled for the longest time. Cause somebody had some uh, incredibly sharp shooting geckos. The, uh, <laughs> the first game we played. Don't underestimate them. They darted it to like death. Turn yeah. two. That's awesome. Daniel, yeah. I liked your Kraken for the, by the way, I should mention, I thought it was pretty sweet. It was an interesting one. Like I did it with, it only had one color of paint on it. Everything else was all washes. <laughs> well, you uh, did it, though. It you that. made it look like his dredge from the sea. Yeah. Well, his I'd... Kraken was my inspiration for my terror mm-hmm. <laughs> that I had to get. Oh, is that why? Yeah. It yeah, is that why I saw painted black? Yeah, but I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't get time to totally finish it, but I, I recently watched Aliens, so I figured, oh, I'll make it look like a xenomorph, <laughs> so I'll paint it black. I want it painted black. Yeah, awesome. we have a second. Uh, after Jason talks, I'd like to come back and talk about Conquest because I, I have a question about that. Yeah, Jason, what are you thinking um, about Ambush? I love so like uh, when they announced it when they, when they announced the Big Red Book, I was actually painting ogres, um, and I was watching the video and I'm like, okay, Ambush sounds cool, and Epic Gate or Legendary Games sound cool, and I was already wanted to write Siege rules, so I don't have to. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's Ambush sounds good, you know, for all the reasons that we talked about and. Another another thing that really appeals to me because I haven't been able to pull this off yet is that shorter games can be easier to fit into a larger narrative campaign. Like I I want to do mm-hmm. Kings of Warmada Vanguard is yeah just like get all those games in there and just like okay so we can do we we have we have the scale and especially with ambush we have like slightly different playability for like smaller you know little skirmishes up to like big huge giant you know game you know campaign ending kind of battles and stuff. And we can just wreck Penathor uh, to our heart's content. And 
not necessarily have it be as much book work because <laughs> uh, there's something that I because I haven't played Vanguard, but I've looked into it a little bit and something that I really liked was that each of the Vanguard scenarios links to a Kings of War scenario. So you can be like, oh, you know, the I won this one. So when we go, if we go fight this battle, then I have this little edge or whatever. That's I'm like, that's that's really cool. That's just like a nice way to integrate, you know, like stuff and make kind of because like not everything is a huge epic pitched battle which i like that scenarios are 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 so central to kings of war um because it does sort of like it it forces you to sort of think outside of just run up punch guys um a lot of my old games of 40k was really just like play till we're tired of playing and whoever's got the least points left loses but (laughs) Um, yeah, it's like that, that more potential for sort of like narrative. Like we talked a little bit about narrative earlier and I, I love emergent narrative and like building stories out of these games and like backgrounds and everything else. And I really want to do a map based campaign at some point. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that would just make it easier. There you go. Now we just need more, our Vanguard, our lists and more Armada fleets so that everyone can get all their ogres wouldn't have fleets it doesn't make sense so it's fine put them aside um, i don't know I if don't see why they fleet. shouldn't have fleets yeah they can have boats you can yeah. we just go on other people's boats and then right. fight well they're mercenaries and they don't have <laughs> then they're not next to the water but you yeah. bring up a good point jason that they've got all these different gaming systems and they're all interconnected so you've got armada for ship combat mm-hmm. you, you've got vanguard which is which is a much crunchier game than kings of war which is probably why it, it didn't didn't pan out to be the introduction to Kings of War because it's mm-hmm. it's it, it brings it for the most part a different type of player right uh, more of the Infinity style where they want to have a lot of like actions and a lot of crunchy uh, deterministic uh, decisions on your part uh, and then and it's important to note we have Dungeon Saga right so if you want to do that dungeon go running through with your characters uh, then That's you've got uh, yeah. yeah you've got Kings of War um, there's just tons and tons and, and and now we have ambush so there it's it, what's cool is like no matter what scale you want to play on you you can do that right mm-hmm. from all the way down from hey i want three heroes running through a dungeon all the way to legendary games now which is <laughs> like three thousand plus yeah siege battles exactly so that's the nice thing about the book but Nate, you had you had something you wanted to you wanted to touch on after we. I just um, I don't know if it's quite related, but I feel like there's something going on with Conquest because I know people who are always telling me, "Oh, you should play Conquest," which I think is similar with what we're talking about here of small battles, small units of fantasy armies fighting each other. I feel like Kings of War Ambush is going to do it better because whenever I see people actually playing Conquest, they look bored. They're coming over <laughs> and talking to us about what they're doing, and I've yet to see someone paint a single model in any of that <laughs> conquest stuff so funny, they keep on being like oh the models are so good but they're just not engaged somehow and i'm hoping that like the something about the fact that there is an established king's War community we hearken back to the glory days of fantasy and there's a spectrum there's from the spectrum from dungeon sized all the way up to epic sides maybe that will get people excited you hit on a lot of stuff there Dave. but you know conquest is an interesting game we're in a world where we talked about before that a lot of people are not looking for ranks and flanks because they don't want that commitment they want to don't have to paint 200 miles they want to paint 10 but if you think about it there's a lot of ranks and flanks games out there obviously kings of war you hit on conquest last argument of kings you've got the Oathmark game right uh cool mini or knots game of thrones there's plenty of ranks and flanks 
Conquest is an interesting one for me. It, it flashed the pan here. Like he brought in a bunch of stuff. We had people playing, and then it died. The models are cool. Like oh, everyone so awesome. agrees. Yeah, I think yeah. they're awesome. right. Everyone agrees they're, they're awesome, right? But they're so big. <laughs> like I just <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't get my head around it. Like oh my god, your your dwarves are the size of ogres in other yeah, game systems. Huge. Maybe that's a thing to make from, from a painting perspective. But then you got the rule set, which it's weird to me that you have the same person oh. that wrote Kings of War write Conquest, really? and then the fact that at least here locally it is not figure agnostic. The expectation is, and maybe it's because the models are so damn big, you got to play with their models. For me, it never hit. I, I, you know, I played one demo and I was like, yeah, not for me. Scott, I mean, you, you actually are thinking about getting into Conquest. There are issues with the game. However, unlike you know what you're saying, Rob, over here in Detroit, I think there's even more Conquest players than Kings of War at this point. Yeah, um, probably. And you know, Nate, when last time we played, there were people playing Conquest right next to us on the next table, and those yep. guys on the Bastion Discord are always recruiting people to play. I have a we couple. Gotta get ahead of them, Rob. Yeah, I think we should <laughs> honestly like battle it out because I do think Kings of War is a better game. Here's my issue with Conquest: it's not it's not the scale of the models, which is a kind of a bummer from like a, a universal appeal. You can you can't use them with any game. It's one game. They want you to buy those models. All the models aren't out at the beginning of the game, so you don't get that epic deployment phase. You don't have that draw to me where you get to stand back, see everyone's painted models. You need two tables to play the game. You have the guys off the tables until they draw, and then they come in on a certain side of the board. There's not a lot on the table. There's nothing on the table to begin the game, which is which is odd. But but I do like the game. I have enough people bothering me to play the game. <laughs> so I said, all right, I might as well paint them up. I do think they look cool, and I do think the lore is pretty sweet. But I do think Kings of War is overall a better game. I'm a big proponent of there's a game for everybody and everybody for a game. So if Conquest is your game, Awesome. If uh, Song of Ice and Fire is your game, fantastic. You know, as long as you're happy and you got people playing it with you, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Exactly, exactly. Well, Daniel, so you have a table back there. Do you have a name for this this refuge, this basement gaming space? No, no, no name in particular for it. We should call it The Crypt. The Crypt. (laughs) I also like Dan described it as kind of like a horseshoe of something like he's got the barbecue up on the level above going into the living room and kitchen and then you swoop down those stairs here to the game table with the <laughs> uh tv on the other side so you have this endless cycle of enjoyment and partying you can do at the house <laughs> i mean that was part of what sold me on this place was, was going down to the, this basement and being like oh wow this is this is perfect gaming space here the last few years i haven't gotten as much gaming in down here as i'd like oh why is that <laughs> Well, I mean, even not not even counting the, the pandemic on it. Before playing Kings of War, I was playing Flames of War, and a friend of mine who lived about a block away, him and I were playing probably on a weekly basis down here. But he moved out of town, and shortly after that, I stopped playing Flames. So it hasn't gotten as much as much love as uh, I. I'd like it to have uh, since then. Yeah, I mean the the table actually, my my buddy made the the thing. It's set to uh he, he painted it up for six by four table space with a foot sideboard on each side to it so can uh deploy everything out and have room regardless of which side of the table you actually wind up on and been a good space for it that uh as i mentioned i'm not big on actually assembling uh terrain but uh, i have no problem with battlefield in the box and i, I was uh, just gonna ask you just buy just buy, pre, just buy pre just buy pre-painted oh, stuff absolutely yep, exactly that um uh, you can't really see it in the on the camera here, but um, uh, beneath the that center uh, area, there's a uh, a tool chest that's just chock full of uh, of terrain. Most of it's sandy desert bits because um, 
even when I was playing Flames of War, it was primarily uh, the Desert Rats and um, the Italian uh, campaign. So a lot of, of uh, sandy um, architecture there that blends well for Empire of Dust and uh, um, my uh, Desert Elves. Well, Battlefield in the Box is a great way to get your table squared away quickly with pre-painted stuff. Also, Monster Terrain. Uh, they had They're a Kickstarter awesome. a few years ago for some pl plastic terrain that's pre-painted. Their trees are like ridiculously cool yeah so there's a lot there's a lot more options today than a few years ago when, we, when you, you had to make it yourself now you can uh, buy commercially available stuff that's actually pretty it, it also looks good but is very resilient for the uh the, the hazards that that befall it during on a table so and i think those monster terrain boxes i mean that's like as good as what i would have made to be honest like i think i think the quality is pretty pretty impressive did you bring those over to uh, upkeep one time? Yeah, those trees where you yeah, pop I love the trees those. off. Those yeah, were, those trees those are, are really well done. They're worth the price. I think I got them for like thirty-five, and you get like a, a pretty big set. Yeah, they're very very cool stuff. You know, obviously we got four of you guys on. What's the name of your club? Do you have a name? Well, I, I guess Daniel, you kind of named the club a week ago. I thought oh. it was Jason actually. Or was it Jason? Well, I, oh, yeah. Oh, oh was it? Oh, okay. Too. Well, I, we got to we're we're you know doing the first page of our of our reports or whatever for the tournament, and I was like, oh, we don't have what's the name of our club? And I'm like, and Nate's like, he just gives me like a shrug, and I'm like, I always kind of like Met Det Cow, Met Det Cow, like Metro Detroit <laughs> Kings of War, the Metro like, Detroit perfect. Kings of War, yeah, nothing like, like a bunch of acronyms stacked together. Yup, yeah. and I'm like, I, I want to see that on shirts next year. Yeah, kind of works. I'm like, you know, it, it, it's because like again, you know, the, the the this this deep abiding love of the idea of a campaign is like yeah you know like met the cow could be like oh it's this this new region of panther we just discovered so we don't have to mess with anything <laughs> and we could fit some 4x stuff in there you know i love it for, we totally for, got you totally got to figure out a way to get uh, uh the michigan lower peninsula into panther somewhere you know what i yeah. mean like get 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 a peninsula that looks like michigan in there somewhere yeah i thought sweet. we were going to end up getting called the trolls because we're under the bridge you know but, oh uh, yeah, I like the a little bit better. So, uh, <laughs> Nate, you know, we have a lot of people that, that are not familiar with Michigan. So, why don't you explain that? So, Michigan is this lovely land which has uh, color leaves in the sky, which are going to fall to the ground, and everything's going to look like a wasteland for a couple of months now. But uh, until then, it looks beautiful. Um, but yeah, we've got an upper peninsula and a lower peninsula, and this big old bridge in between. And so, the people from up north call us the trolls because we are south of the bridge and that makes us the industrious hard-working people that we are unlike them who are i guess the fanciful fairies of michigan yeah, the, the upers yeah upers yep. yeah. i love it up there though. riding on my back <laughs> what's that daniel i'm sorry it explains why i feel like i have that halfling riding on my back sometimes <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, we're carrying them on our backs. That's right. Yeah, you know, like I had a, five of them though, so it's okay. Mm. <laughs> you know, I had a crazy idea. This would never fly, but I thought this would be amazing. How awesome it would be to have a tournament like in Fort Mackinac or something, like any yeah, one yeah, of awesome. our historic sites, to have a tournament in that. I'm like, that would be so awesome. Yeah, that yeah, would be are, actually really cool. We have actually, uh, because we're on the border here, and historically there has been a lot of fighting. We do have a lot of historical places to note here in Michigan. Yeah, War of 1812 is that you're talking about? War of 1812. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's all around. Fort Mackinac, for those who don't know, there's, a, there's Mackinac Island, uh, which is just to the east of the Mackinac Bridge. Uh, the fort was captured by the British without firing a shot. I don't know. I don't know what that says about us, but, you know, it is what it is. 
Go if ahead. you're an engineer here and you're not working on cars, uh, you might be working on tanks. We are actually like pretty serious with uh, even uh, the defense industry here. So a lot of people here just feel that tie, that pull into wargaming because it's it's stuff that a lot of people here do every day. Hey, there's a reason Absolutely. why we were the arsenal of democracy in World yeah. War II, right? Yeah. Isn't that what Detroit yeah. was? That's it. The, that would be a great name for a club, by the way. Yeah. Arsenal of Democracy. <laughs> arsenal of Democracy. <laughs> that is awesome. AOD. AOD. That's amazing. Sounds like a wrestler's club or something. <laughs> you know? Like like a like a group of wrestlers. I don't know. Democracy. Everyone yeah. votes. Probably the one that has the most ADD. What's the next army for you? Well, I'm I'm pushing my way through the Empire of Dust right now. That uh working on turning out mummies and um i uh was amazed to do uh some uh enslaved guardian archers yesterday and like got them table ready in maybe about 30 minutes going for like a stone effect but i'm, I'm planning on going over those again a second time um however i'm eagerly waiting there was oh what's their name fireforge did a kickstarter for uh samurai themed uh, minis back uh, earlier this summer as soon as those uh, show up at the house, I'll probably be shifting gears. I originally was thinking, okay, I can do a Kingdoms of Men army and have like unit strength 36 on this list at 2,000 points and then start thinking about heroes for it for the last 300. But then I started looking at it and going, well, you know, if I put some Tengu in there as a low he and some like Oni for, for Ogre Palace Guard, I could do this as a Basilian list as well and do kind of an interesting spin off that. Mm-hmm. But for the moment, it, it's going to be dusters for uh, for both uh, on land and at sea that uh, I've been kind of alternating back and forth between uh, EOD regiments and then painting a ship for Armada yeah. and then back over to, to regiments again. Are you using the... What are you using for your enslaved guardian archers? Um, I've a hodgepodge actually i've got um some that are mantic and um some that are from uh, tt combat from that uh, kickstarter that they did um are these the new mantic models or the are the old ones are they the metal yes. ones um both actually that um okay. although after mm-hmm. after doing um the uh, metal gigas models for <laughs> trident realms i'll admit that that i'm not looking forward to doing uh, the mental, the metal uh, enslaved guardians. I, I've already been thinking about. Well, I could kit bash resin arms onto the the metal bodies and hopefully make them a little less top heavy and less likely to disintegrate. What's the, the difference in size between the new resin enslaved guardian archers and the old metal ones? Because I think they're they're bigger, right? Admittedly, I, they are supposed to be bigger. I haven't peeked into the the package oh. yet to look on it. Uh, from everything I've been told, that they are they're they're noticeably larger but yeah yeah that uh i'm hoping i can can kip kip bash a, a hodgepodge out of that and what are you using for the mummies um those i'm using uh tt combats that um i have three different regiments of like shambly uh traditional like universal style mummies um some like warrior ones and then a batch of uh halfling mummies as well to, to mix into the batch on there. That's awesome. Um, so it's going to be a, a kind of a, a diverse brew on it. Well, I can tell you that the Mantic mummies are some of the worst models ever made. Uh, they're really old at this point, and they don't rank up very well. So, and I have those in my Hundred Army, and I'm like, ah. So I, yeah. I at some point, 
if you're listening, Mantic, we need some new mummies, some new hard <laughs> the, plastic the elf mummies. Chariots, we, though, the elf chariots, though. The elf chariots. The old battle the ones, yeah. They're, they're, oh. uh, you know, it's funny because I understand they had to keep the aesthetic right with, with, the, with the more fey looking elves. I get it. But man, a metal chariot is super hard. I mean, that brought back repressed memories from Warhammer, you know, building mm-hmm. metal chariots from fourth and fifth edition. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it was not it's fun to put together. P- pinning is required, as yeah. Daniel knows with Gigas. Got to pin. Yeah, I have, I have so, some uh, deep regrets on not pinning my Gigas that uh, I think I ended mm. up uh, about eight or nine missing claws by the end of the, the GT. <laughs> oh, God. But, uh, <laughs> I ended up uh, having to glue back on before uh, letting them uh, take their place on the shelves. They were molting, oh man. They were molting. <laughs> That's awesome. Jason, how about you? You've obviously finished your ogre army. So what's next? Uh, so I, I, you know, it's a good question. I have ideas for almost every army in that book um so uh i've been like i think i've mentioned before i was been really thinking about night stalkers a lot lately um and i really like the idea of doing you know that using primarily night haunt from gw because i got a bunch so those are cool i learned um i, I while playing and I, I love my ogres but while playing them especially in the tournament i'm like i want healing and i want i want healing and or flying in my like next list and night stalkers do have a lot of flying um i'm really really in love with the halflings um i i need to i need to you know play test them a bit but i, I just love the entire line i love all the guys um i for a long time i wanted to do a very like english civil war pike and shot kind of kingdoms of men list and i, I realized that i could do pretty much all of that with the halflings plus balloons um and little wingy guys so i'm like i might just do that and then save you know, actually, because it's mostly an excuse to paint English Civil War for historical gaming that I don't do yet. Um, but I'm like, so that's you know, it's a possibility. But it's like, I, I think this this point, um, it was pretty heavily between Halflings and EOD. I I might stay away from EOD just now because as as you heard, they're going to be strong in my local meta. And I'm like, ah, mirror match might be kind of silly, but I would definitely be using a Soul Snare because I there's no point i don't don't personally see the point in playing them without a soul snare um it's like an evil arc of the covenant it's awesome (laughs) um but like yeah Yeah, i think those are are kind of the big ones um i was thinking about like a unit like a classic universal monsters kind of undead army would be really fun possibly in like black and white or something but there's so many options i think I think it's primarily between those night haunt because I can I can get started on them right now if I wanted, uh, and the halflings. I'm trying to avoid buying more stuff to the end of the year because I've got it's a expensive. Lot of, yeah. I have so much us. stuff. We gotta buy yeah, gas and food. I get it. Right. I got so much stuff that's piling up, but I'm like, oh, I got all mm-hmm. these guys to paint. Like every miniature that's ever come out for Silver Bayonet, I've got them all. Um, <laughs> everything for Stargrave, got them all. I'm like, I should paint some of this stuff. I'm like, oh no, I'm going to make a headless horseman out of some random parry guys I've got. And it's like that. Uh, the if the ADD doesn't get me first, I'm gonna I'm leaning towards yeah. Either either hopefully by an XGT, it'll it'll pro- I think it'll probably be either Halflings or Nighthaunt that I that I Silver Bayonet's That's a game I've been oh, wanting to play for a yeah. while. That's too, really yeah, cool. it seems uh, very the, cool. the narrative there is awesome. What you know, it's like what it's uh Napoleonics with some fantasy elements, like like on dead, right? yeah, it's like Napoleonic gothic horror, 
Which is awesome. I mean, I get to play a uh, Timir Dragon Army in that because that's um, a Napoleonic thing I want to do. Could hypothetically, <laughs> I, I'm sure there's there might be a better system for that just because that's you know big battles. But like this is like you know you you grab like a like I'm working on a British force right now because I'm gonna I wanted to do some solo stuff in my mm-hmm. Imagic County because like imaginations from the historical games I have a whole county in England that I've been developing for <laughs> English Civil War and um. But like, so I'm working on like a British gun. You make a little a little team of guys. You have an officer and like, you know, some artillerymen and like some you know veteran hunters and maybe a werewolf or whatever. And you go uh, investigate weird doings that are happening, you know, <laughs> during the, on the continent. And periodically, it's like, oh no, I've got French band and you've got an English band. Well, we're gonna have to fight over these ancient books or whatever. Oh no, a demon! <laughs> I haven't actually played it, but it's it's from Joe McCullough who did Frostgrave and Stargrave and. Rangers of Shadow Deep and Oathmark, and he's fairly prolific. These yeah, days. he's making a name um, for himself. That's for yeah, sure. and he's like, I, I, I like his designs. I love his his like minimal, but it's clearly their world building. And technically, everything's miniatures agnostic, but like North Star Minis makes really cool models for all those games, pretty much. And it's like, well, just buy these. Like their Oathmark line is very kind of sub Roman Britain, like. 80s comic book adaptations of uh, Lord of the Rings looking guys that are just chef's kiss. I, I absolutely love them. Uh, they usually go together pretty well, too. Um, uh, like the new Mantic Goblins go together very well, whereas mm-hmm. the old Mantic Ogres, yeah, not as much. They're okay. You, you got you definitely the PVC, you got to use hot water and you got to like, yeah, you know, they're um, hot water and then you can you can repose them and get them to fit. To get those gaps yeah. to go away, but it, they're not. I'm looking forward to the new the new ones. I don't know about you, Jason, but the new ones. Are oh, great. I they're beautiful. When they announced this, I was like, oh man. And then when they announced the um the new starter box, I was like, mm. well, <laughs> I couldn't. Other than like kicking the, the balls when you just finish some ogre army and they come out with all new ones. <laughs> yeah, I I was watching the the video and I just kind of like looked over at my desk and there's like all of my ogres arrayed on the desk because they weren't <laughs> based yet. And I was like, come Sigh. on. <laughs> Like well, <laughs> guess awesome. what I'm gonna do? Well, exactly. N- Nate, same question to you. You know, what's you've got a beautiful salamander army. What's next? Well, thank you very much. Uh, certainly, I could easily do 2,000 points of dwarves with what I'm looking at, and that is totally up my alley. I definitely played. I played dwarves in D and played dwarves in World of Warcraft. I just, just love their best. aesthetic. Yeah, dwarves in Mordheim, great fun. Awesome. Um, especially if you dwarves versus ratkin, it's you can have a more un different matchup but i do hope partly that we really get into this ambush kind of thing because then i particularly like when i played uh war machine and hordes i just like collecting one of everything and it sounds like that's actually ambush in a nutshell so <laughs> i could have all the things then and i wouldn't be like oh no i didn't paint like three of the same thing in order to be able to play with my friends i'd like to just be able to play with my friends that'd be great and Scott, how about you? What's on well, talking for you? I'm thinking with uh Varinger would be really cool. I, I was playing with that playing with some lists, talking to the guys here, and I, th- I feel like drain life is something I like. I feel like with the Magus transfusion ability, you could do some really cool things there. But again, as I stated earlier, is you know, my wife really wants me to paint something alive. So from like a painter's <laughs> perspective, I might do forces of nature and um 
I don't know. I, I really like I really like the elementals in that. I really feel like I could do some sort they of are cool. So like, fun to paint, in my opinion. Yeah, they seem really cool. I could just do like what you did, Nate. Like have like a fire guy, but then also with them, they have that whole uh, you know torrent or or nature's wrath or whatever, where it was a tempest mm-hmm. of of everything. So you could just toss yeah. all the elementals on there. Then I don't know, kind of. Going back to Nate, you mentioned Warcraft. Have it like a like a shaman kind of thing with it, elements and all that. Be kind yeah, of cool. it works yeah. really well. They uh, created that effectively in the rules, and it works well on the table where the shamans give power to the elementals and make them into a devastating army. Yeah, it, it actually really interests me. So, and that's that's hasn't really been explored too much, but I've been playing with it, and I think once I you know get a bunch of models, make a little vision board of what I'm thinking, I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll go for it, man. <laughs> Oh, Mantic's uh, greater elemental models, the the poses on those are just great. They're so cool. Yeah. Yeah. The greater fire elemental is a fantastic model. I even like that big rock gorilla, the earth elemental. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That thing's pretty sweet, too. (laughs) Next question I got for you guys is, you know, if if you, if you, you know, we're here in 2022, you've started a few years ago. What do you wish you knew then that you know now? And we'll start with Nate. Yeah, especially like I knew nothing two years ago about this game. I think maybe one thing I would have liked to have known, like I'm used to other games where the the meta is very crushing and controlling in other groups. It doesn't seem so here. I was shocked to be talking to people at the Michigan GT who are like, yeah, people are playing Night Stalkers and winning with them last year, but they stopped now because they want variety. And like, oh, I don't have to be chasing after that and expect that 40% of the people are all going to be playing the same army or something. Um, that's nice. That, that's nice. That, that's something I wish I knew. Let's go to Scott. Same question. The only thing I wish I knew starting out is just do not be afraid. I wish to, I was brave with multi-basing. Just start <laughs> off, make the armies look legit. It's okay. You know, I think even Jason at one point was saying, you know, you could still make this compatible with other stuff. Your minis, like I, I like bang for my buck, so to speak. So, even if you're multi-basing, it's totally cool. Just do it. Just jump in. It, 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 it plays better, transports better, and looks better. How about you, Daniel? Uh, I'm, I'm in agreement with Scott on that. The the one thing I wish I'd, I'd uh, been thinking of when I first started working on the Desert Elves is magnetize and multi-base. Um, I did them in old-school Warhammer fashion of uh, most of them are on, on individual 20-mil bases, and uh, it's a pain to transport them. But um, <laughs> at some point, I need to go and, and spend a weekend just uh, gluing magnetic stripping down on all of them so that uh, they're a little bit more uh, friendly for transport. But uh, yeah, that's that's got to be the big thing is is being able to do that and being able to multi-base. No, nothing like having a ranked up unit with individual models on a hill and you push it and it drops. Oh, yeah, and then they all, <laughs> they all fall over the table. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I started 3D printing iron. And then I can just magnetize them to the trays for my individual ones. You you say that, but what are you doing for Dead Zone? What am I doing for Dead Zone? Are you doing uh, bases for that too? No, no. I just I just slap magnets on the bottom of whatever oh. Mantic gives you, and then I put that. Oh in my god! This is like a rookie mistake. I mean, if you've got this technology, why aren't you making <laughs> really cool bases? Uh, yeah, but I mean, it comes to I got the tech, but I don't have the CAD skills to make the cool. Ah, bases. I see. So you need someone. <laughs> you need someone to make them for you. So the the models. Yeah, my dad and I, I mean, I can make a square in Blender. <laughs> it's pretty easy. But if I'm going to make something really legit, then, uh, you know, that's just going to take time and practice. And I'm a, 
you know, I, I I like working with my hands, man. I mean, when it comes to drawing and painting, I mean, just right there, kind of staying unplugged is kind of my jam. So once it's made, then I just roll with it. You just need to make some real thin, like cylinders, like that are maybe like an eighth of an inch tall that can just be glued to the bottom of the base that's using your iron stuff. Then it can be stuck to whatever magnets, you know. We all have yeah, magnetic trays. Yeah. Well, remember Rob how I was showing you my little my little uh little basic like magnet strip box. Yeah, because magnet on mm -hmm. magnet sucks. If you do the polarity, right? Like if you get it wrong, yeah. it, it pushes them out of the way and stuff. Yeah. You so if you just put like iron on the bottom of the base. Yeah, I feel like an yeah. iron little strip like that. That's actually an awesome idea. I'll I'm telling you, you make them. I'm buying them. I got. Okay. I just got 75 guys GCPS down in the well, basement. I already so, got in the, the uh, I already made you know a basic little circle. So yeah, I'll I'll hit you up. Last we got Jason. I think the kind of building on that sort of hobby train is that like I wish I had come up with more of a with like more of a theme and been able to work that theme into my army a little better by preparing earlier than <laughs> waiting forever. Which because I was trying to get done for GT, if I was just you know just going to paint an army, but. I think I mentioned this is the first army I've ever finished. So having that goal there made me actually do that. But I think going, you know, going forward, I want to think a lot more like, oh, you know, come up with like a, play, a color scheme that works. Because I like my ogres, but I was trying to go for sort of like a classic heavy metal theme. And I, I don't know how well it came through because there's not very much that's very metal about them. Uh, other than one guy's got a shield with the devil horns on it. But <laughs> yeah, I think just that sort of like. Don't forget the electric guitar. That happens. Oh, well, yeah, yeah that, that's and the that first thing that comes to mind. That's metal as hell. Yeah, oh, that guy is metal <laughs> as hell. I love him. Um, but like, yeah, that that's kind of like just like kind of going forward is like figuring out a list that you know is like picking lists that I want to play, but also like that I can kind of come up with a cool theme for. Um, which I guess that your mileage may vary it depends on how you know important that is. But because this is the only game I'm really playing, I'm not too worried about stuff working for other things, except for possible you know kingdoms of men as excuse for historicals. But uh, something I've learned from my my research is that a lot of historicals don't care nearly as much about basing <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and basing rules as a lot of games like Kings of War and stuff do. So I'm like, I could just base stuff for kings and then. Oh, they've left Mantica and they've gone back to the shires of England. So now they're just Englishmen instead of fancy men of Cornwall or whatever. Yeah, I think that kind of like that theming. And I, I did a lot of scratch kind of stuff for that army, too. And just like keeping that in mind of like, what kind of cool stuff can you do? And really tight because I really I like I love tightly themed armies. Uh, your your kingdoms of yeah, half men. Cool. I absolutely love those armies. Those oh, thanks. Yeah, appreciate they it. look really good. Yeah, Were you the one with the like halfling cultists? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I love them. Nice. They're so good. I called them the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> That's right. They're awesome. I thought they looked awesome, man. Maybe thanks, man. Like, I appreciate that. Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> so what's interesting is you guys are kind of new to the tournament scene, and I really want to get your, your take on it. First of all, maybe we, we go around and, you know, what were your expectations going to this event? I mean, obviously you've probably had tournament experiences with other game systems, but but going into Kings of War, you know, what were you expecting? And then maybe just tell us how you found it. We'll go with Jason first this time. GT was actually only my second War Games tournament. Um, the first was a little like six man um, dead zone game that we played a tournament that we did at uh, Bastion once, which was, was fun. Awesome. But um, Corey, whose last name I can't remember, who's like 
U.S. champ. He was there, so like he he was kind of a. Sh- I mean, he's a nice guy, and I've learned a lot playing against him. But like, he I was like, us, I didn't expect to do great in that. Um, I didn't expect to do great in this either because I, I don't have the winningest record with Kings yet, and um, I think I came in 18th out of 20. So you know, I could technically have done worse but i i went with the expectation or like the goal of basically of, of, of enjoying playing five games of kings of war and i got that and to losing to someone other than nate uh and i got to lose to salamanders other than nate so <laughs> bonus point i got achievement unlocked <laughs> um and i get to play with i got to play with a couple people outside of my my like normal meta here and you know and it was i just had fun it was like i i and i expected from because i had heard about gt because like when i I think it was about a month after GT that I met Scott in the first place. So like it, or, you know, last year's. So it was, I already kind of had the expectation that it was going to be this like, kind of like kind of chill, you know, relaxed atmosphere that it wasn't like a, like a, like a me, like an angry, like 40 K tournament, you know, kind of like, not that I've played one, like um, just because I've, I've played some magic tournaments against people who were fun to play against and some who were not fun to play against i guess kind of like even though it was a tournament it was still we were still kind of playing like friendly games we were still you know like pointing out like oh that's you know are you sure you want to go there and like oh you you know you can't really do this like it's this won't this move won't work because of physics or whatever and it it just like it was like enjoyable i was like cool i mean i i managed to to lose five games and not be like mad about that or anything you know not be upset and still enjoy myself um and like i want to go back next time i want to go to other tournaments um which is not a thing i kind of ever expected myself to say about gaming because <laughs> i'm not a terribly competitive person just in general um so it's more like i was like i more want to go to play kings of war with new people and i think that's a really great way to do that because i mean i don't know how big the game is in michigan overall we i think we represented a good chunk of the michigan gamers who were actually at the michigan gt because ohio they got all them war kings right uh, so like it's cool to like be able to like meet people outside of your immediate group and then hypothetically maybe meet new people that are nearby and be like oh hey let's connect and beat each other up with little miniatures and just sort of like it's it's a i guess it's a it's sort of like a structured it's almost like <clears throat> it's a weird metaphor maybe but it's it's almost like speed dating for gaming right <laughs> like you get to like meet a bunch of people and play games with people that you probably would never have the opportunity to otherwise without having to like scour reddit or the, the dreaded facebook or whatever else trying never. to like, find games right yeah i'll never go back i'm i'm clean off social media reddit isn't social media it's I don't know what it, it, it's not for purposes of I need to be able to say this. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I don't know. I liked. I had fun. I I kind of got what I, exactly what I expected, which was meeting new people, playing games, having fun. Lots to unpack there. Yeah, lots. Of, and Jer- Jeremy, my co- co-host, you know, his contention is that we're a, a gaming community that's not super huge. If you have a group of a hundred, or you have a group of ten thousand, you know, the propensity or the the chance you get a jerk is a lot less in that smaller group, right? But And my also thing is, I don't think that Kings of War, because it's a clean rule set, you don't end up with a lot of stuff to argue about. And then the fact that there's not really yeah. a lot of gotcha stuff, like, oh, yeah. I didn't realize that you have this special character that nullifies completely everything I'm doing, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and like, negative negative play experience. Now, let's be honest, if you get shot off the table, that's still not fun, or you get alpha striked off the table. But I mean, hey, I didn't come into this game knowing that you could do stuff that was going to oh, well, this new FAQ says that you don't have a two-inch reach. I would say that the game probably lends itself to more of that 
that blending between casual play and tournament play. Um, but Nate, obviously you've got some thoughts about it. You, you came into it with some expectations. Yeah, I really want to second what Jason said. I feel very similar to him. I'm also going around looking at everyone's dioramas and stuff like that. It's a big thing I wanted to do as part of why I built one myself is to be in there with everyone joining in in that experience. I do feel like it was un- a bit of a fail from the speed dating side, unfortunately, because uh, I played against Salamanders, which I play. I played against two of my friends, and then I played against two people I haven't met before, but they were dwarves both so uh your inspiration yeah which you know now i'm playing dwarves so that's fine but uh, in a way it is like man can we find some way to make it so that we can get a little more variety in there i don't know it might be just the fact that it was only a 20-man tournament right uh if if you have more than 20 players you will get some more variety into the 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 armies that are because i mean there was what three salamander players out of 20 (laughs) Yeah, I right. Like that's crazy. that's unusual. <laughs> like to have that percentage. I mean, that's like what is that? Fifteen percent of the tournament. <laughs> well, is... that's good. I'm glad that there. It's on. Un- people tend to play different things, but yeah. yeah, more players. I don't know. Is that the point of this podcast? Is that what we're trying to figure out? We don't have a point. We just ramble mm-hmm. on until we get tired. Scott, same question to you, because this is your second Michigan GT, right? Yeah, this is my second GT um, in Michigan. I kind of had different expectations this year than I did last year. Last year, I'm kind of really, I mean, just brand new, brand new to the game. If it were were any other year, I don't even know what game I would be playing, but I was just eager and ready. I kind of like what Jason was saying. Like, it is really like networking, and I just like talking to people. So this is why I like board games over video games. I get to talk to someone face-to-face, and I really enjoy that. That's pretty much it. I mean, my first expectation is, like, let's see if I like the game. Let's see if it's going to be a a good group. And since that was already done 2021, going into 2022, it was just a party. (laughs) It's just, (laughs) let's just all hang out, have fun, and play whatever. Um, I think I did too many tournaments. The fact that Kings of War bled into Dead Zone at the same time, and I was trying to finish up our last game. <laughs> yeah. um, I think I was with uh, – was I with you, Jason, or was with you, Daniel? At uh, it wasn't with me, but um, I, you, you guys, I think, didn't get to go to meet the MEAT place with yeah, all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, I heard it, it was, was awesome. So good. Good. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it was good. very good. But we ended up getting some good grub you know, the next day. Mm-hmm. But, but, yeah, to me, it was just it's just hanging out. The expectations were, hey, I'm just here to have fun. I, I I know what, I mean, a fourth of the tournament at this point. So mm-hmm. even more, actually, if you think about Rob and then who who you brought, Dylan, he was cool meeting mm-hmm. him. So now next year, I mean, if he comes, it's even bigger. It's just like networking. Exactly. So, and, and Scott, uh, you know, what would you tell somebody that's on the fence? Like, oh, I don't know. I heard tournaments are super competitive. It's all about smash face. What would you tell those I'd- people? I say not Kings of War. Kings of War is designed to play well. Again, I got stomped, but it was fun. <laughs> it, it was fun. You know, like if, yeah. if you're new to the game and kind of shy to it, I would say just give it a go. Uh, people are willing to give you advice. If You know, they'll ask, at least in my experience, hey, can I give you advice? Oh, yeah, here, go for it. And then they'll tell you what to do. If you play to practice, you will grow and get better. If you're jumping right in, no sweat. Don't be shy about it. Just go. Just go in. Rob, awesome. you talked about Alpha Strike armies, and I think like I was shocked when I learned an Alpha Strike in King's War is something like turn three. That's like you've been playing for an hour already. You know, you get to play. Everyone yeah. always gets to play. Yeah, you have a chance. Yeah, you have a chance. Daniel, same question to you. This is your second Michigan GT. Yep. I mean, before playing uh, Kings of War, I used to play 
usually about three or four tournaments a year for Flames of War. Like I had a, a good idea of the the tournament scene, at least um, to a certain degree with that. Last year for the GT, though, game one of that was actually game one of playing Kings of War for me. <laughs> I had watched uh, a bunch of podcasts, a bunch of uh, YouTube videos of, of battle reports and stuff. Like I had a good feel of how the game played, but I hadn't actually played it yet. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to go big or go home. I'm probably going to be 0 for 5 for the, the, the day on it. And just kind of jumped in with uh, with both feet on it. And uh, I had a great time. And a lot of it was the, the community aspect of it. That uh, getting to play against Masters players and seeing how the game actually worked. Because with the community, even if the, if you do end up a grease spot on, on the, the floor after uh, after a match... They'll at least go and sit down with you and be like, "Hey, you can work on this by by improving on that and and that sort of thing." Um, coming back this year, it was nice to to see a lot of uh, familiar faces again. That uh, I ended up playing against uh, John Carter again. Uh, I played him uh, the year before, um, and uh, it was good to go and get to see him again. Um, uh, I got to play against one of the the two temples. I played both the Temple Brothers at uh, Adepticon, um, so it was nice to have a, a rematch there. Um, even though, oh man, did I get stomped that fifth game? But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was a good chance to 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 have that that greater community beyond playing against the the same half dozen or so people I normally get to see, and uh, mm-hmm. I, it was also good networking for expanding that out. I, um, We've gotten better communication now with uh, folks up in, in uh, Midland, northern Michigan, trying to get uh, some of the, the folks over in Grand Rapids to, to meet up. Hopefully over the holidays while, while you're in town here that uh, we're, we've been talking about getting a one day together for uh, uh, here in Lansing to, to just get a few games in with everybody. Christmas but, uh, stuff. That's right. So, that's right. Well, you know, all there's, of Christmas. There's a, there's a couple of topics that that have been that have been circulating around in the community lately, and I would love to get you guys take on it. First of all, clocks. We use clocks to make sure that the the everybody gets a fair shake and that the games go according to the plan, so everything stays on schedule. But you know, some people come to the table and they're just like, "Oh my god, clocks!" I just uh, it it it, it bugs them out or it freaks them out. So I would love to hear your, your thoughts on that. And then the other one is like when you have a Masters qualifier, there's a thought that like, well. That's going to attract like unsavory people that are overly competitive or stomp you in the ground list. And, and, and this was a master's qualifier. Anybody feel free to chime in on either, you know, your experience with clocks or your, your fear of clocks and where you are now, or how did you find playing those, those dirty masters players that are so competitive? I just <laughs> would love to hear, you know, your perspective. I love them. I think the clocks are awesome. I think it makes the game like you, you have to do decisive decisions. You can't just mess around. In fact, against uh, Daniel, that was the first time I've ever clocked out. Uh, it was mm-hmm. during our game at this last GT. And even that was fun. Like, I'm like the pressure's on. I'm sweating. I got to make these fast rolls. And then I'm messing up because I didn't budget my time well. It adds, it's an additional part of the game. I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have kind of a love hate with them. Like, I don't think I would want to use them for casual play on on a consistent basis, just because it does put that that added pressure on what should be a friendly game. Um, but I, with with our group here, we uh, we kind of phased into them those last couple of games before the the GT. We we added the clocks back in. 
um, just to make sure that that we were being more mindful of, of uh, the time management for for getting that two hour game in. So yeah, I have I have kind of mixed feelings. I'm like I like them, but but I also wouldn't want to play with them for for just a friendly match. Yeah, I mean, like I kind of saying like I actually if if I was like if someone was like hey let's I want to use clocks in practice. I'd be like, yeah, okay, cool. I actually really rather like the clocks. Um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a talker. So it, uh, mm-hmm. it kind of helps keep me from derailing the game. Um, and especially in a tournament structure, I think it's great because like the, the potential of running out of time and not realizing you're running out of time, like you've got the clock, you know, whether you're going to run out of time or not because you have it right there is kind of nice i don't know it's and it, it does kind of reinforce that kings of war is kind of like chess aspect mm-hmm. i kind of like it's actually kind of gotten me mm-hmm. back into chess i never really played it seriously and i still don't but i'm like i'm gonna get me a chess video game so i can practice <laughs> and yeah, maybe really get better at kings chess.com man <laughs> chess.com is the way to go and that too cool well it, it does enforce a level of of player honesty on it too that um i will say that was one thing that used to frustrate me with uh with flames of wars that we didn't use clocks but we still had a two-hour window for it and you'd have somebody who would spend a good chunk of of the two-hour block butzing with their their army on it and just basically running the clock down which yeah when when they there's actually a repercussion for them running the clock down that that changes the dynamic on it and you'll see a little bit more more competitive play for it yeah, I noticed because um, there was a there was a bold action tournament happening uh, like right next to us, and um, I think it was around our round two, maybe. But like the, a bunch of people just like were clearly not paying attention to the time, and because they they weren't playing with clocks, and they just like they the the um, it was like oh you know dice down for everybody, and a bunch of people were like in the middle of doing stuff, and I'm like. Yeah, this is why I like the clock because it. I, 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 if if that happens to me, it's my own fault. Yeah, that um, one because I mean, it also for, to a certain degree would impact list building as well. I, I would probably not be looking at at doing something with say twenty three drops for my list if I'm going to have to go and try to move all twenty three units every turn. That uh, it gives me flashbacks of of playing against a. a Russian Strelkovies and, and them having like 50 stands of, of models on the table and being like, well, I know how this match is going to play out. <laughs> Slowly. Along that point, yep. um, I think like uh, people have, I've heard them say that like one reason that flyers and long range, you know, fast moving models is popular is because it makes the opponent spend more of their time thinking of what could happen in counters. And this is a rank and flank game, so I feel like that actually strengthens one of the core aspects of the game. So it's good. Next question I got for you guys is: you know, you've obviously played five games. You may have learned a few things. Give me, give me your favorite takeaway from the event. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is there's no reason to have two regiments of whites. Just make them hordes. <laughs> <laughs> just make them hordes. They just get popped off way too fast, and I'm like, man, I never got to do my nine punches. Uh, hordes are way better. Um, I feel like I've learned a lot about even just list building in general with my undead. And I think, I think on my next game, it's going to be a good time. I think I got some cool tricks up my sleeves now because of the friendly advice I've been given. Awesome. Anybody else want to chime in? Um, I, I was reminded that flyers are absolutely a thing and they will eat you. Um, <laughs> ogres, ogres have a hard time against flyers, right? Ogres, yeah, ogres yeah. kind of aren't 
great, the most. Um, Should I have not been saying good things about flyers? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all your fault, Nate. It's all your fault. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I, I got beat up by scorch wings, and as a list that doesn't have them, it's like, well, I don't. How do I? What? I kind of. It's easy to forget. Well, I had an easy time forgetting to kind of like think about flyers until it was like, oh no, they're flying up in my face and eating it. Um, I would say one of the things for me is, is the importance of having a well-rounded list. Um, that was the, the big thing I learned last year with the elves was I didn't have a lot of, which it sounds weird for elves to be saying this. I didn't have a lot of fast movers in the list. Um, that I was basing everything on just the ability that everything could scout forward at the beginning of the match and already be pr- threatening uh, the enemy half of the table in the first round. But, as soon as a flyer did appear, I was like, well, I guess I can start pivoting things around to deal with it, but I didn't really have anything to, to counteract that or worse um, dealing with uh, uh, as soon as I went up against a, uh, a human gun line and the war machines picked off the tree herders and t- by turn two, I was like, well, I guess maybe I need something that uh, has the ability to, to move around and actually threaten those war machines earlier on in the game. Than having a bunch of, of just blocks of infantry. So yeah, having, having multi tools is a good thing for it. Hmm. Yeah. I like, I like multi tool. That's a good one. <laughs> Swiss army knife. Yep. Mm-hmm. You do have to watch out because, uh, the game, King's War likes to shake up things a bit, and you would think like, oh, the gun line, that's going to be the best shooters. Weirdly, they're not. Maybe most shooty, but um, I'm glad I brought Veil of Shadow, because it turned out that I was had a lot of my units spat to death by hmm. angry lizards. And um, But I also learned it doesn't work against the Dwarven Shotgun, which has four legs and teeth. And, <laughs> and the just bring in mass. I love yes. that. Yes, yeah, yeah. Always it's on oh, fours. Boy. Yeah, mm-hmm. always so, it's on fours. Doesn't matter what you do. You know, J- Jason, you were just talking about ogres and their deficiency against flyers, and maybe maybe you guys can speak a little bit about your thoughts on allies. So, so my thoughts are armies have inherent uh, weaknesses. It's it's a way to balance them out. Like no no one army is overpowered. Like hey, there's a weakness for it, and if that army that shows up that can exploit that weakness. It's going to be a diff- more difficult game, and and I sometimes feel like, well, I do feel like allies fill some of those gaps and kind of, well, I mean, it undermines the gaps they've inherently put into something. And so, you know, I don't know if you guys are using allies or thinking about allies, but now officially it's a, it's, it's an optional rule in the game in the new red book. So I'm just curious, Daniel, you want to start us off? Yeah, that uh, myself, I I like the idea of allies. Um, it helps build that extra bit of flavor to a list. Um, to have an explanation as to, to why something's showing up to it. Um, I, I may have been looking for a while of doing a, uh, a noble undead list with, um, my desert elves showing up, um, for, uh, I, I had a, a wonderful mini of, uh, a, uh, Jafar looking individual. So it was going to be Jafarvis. Uh, <laughs> to help oh, that's awesome. My, that's my awesome. desert elves. I think it's it's fun in that regard. It does help negate like for oh my trident realms at this point. I would love to get go and throw in some some heavy damage dealers tyrants um, to the the list to Hell help yeah. supplement the fact that the the trident realms themselves don't have a legendary damage output to them. 
so in some regards, I'm kind of sad to see that becoming a thing that uh, may just not be a, a thing happening on, on tournament lists. But yeah, I, myself, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of allies to it. I mean, a lot of people love it to, to build that new army. Like, oh, I'm just going to build, you know, a few hundred points of allies to this existing army. And then eventually it rolls into something else. I'll say so, like the, the using them to like build a new list. I was, that's what that was my original plan actually with, with ogres was I was going to ally them into to goblins and then i just got tired of getting stomped with goblins so i was like well i'll get bigger guys and they can get stomped but um i the thing is like i've never but aside from that i've not i haven't played allies um i think scott's abyssals his couple of abyssals that were allied into the undead i think are maybe the first time i've played against an army that had allies they always kind of felt tacked on because like and you know coming from like a history background like you look at oh like historically a lot of armies, especially in the ancient world, are kind of multi-ethnic, as it were, and like that. And that's a, a huge appeal for me about Oathmark is that you don't build like a dwarf list; you build a kingdom, and maybe it's run by dwarfs, but it can have literally all the other guys in it, which is eighty percent of the appeal of that to me. But like, so I'm like, oh man, it'd be really cool to take allies, but they don't—they're not integrated into the list. Uh, they don't benefit from your inspiring you know, for your inspiring and everything. So it's like, they feel kind of tacked on. So I've never felt mechanically like taking them. And I guess like from a, from a narrative or from a gameplay point of view, by not letting them just be essentially like, Oh, it's, it's a dwarf list, but it's also got some elves in it. Like it prevents, it makes it a little harder to just get rid of that, that inbuilt, you know, that built in sort of balancing technique of like, yes, well, dwarves are also slow. So like, from you know i never i really hadn't thought about it but yeah from like a balancing point of view it does make kind of sense to me now that like they they are kind of hard to field i guess in a sense yeah and then, anybody else want to chime in on on, on allies yeah, yeah actually so i i brought allies to the gt and, and it was actually night stalkers jason that i had oh, sorry. which are basically abyssals just i guess just scarier <laughs> it, it was yeah. cool they i got never different places yeah they do they do i think it's fun i think it's fine I totally agree. It should be an optional rule. I actually think less is more. So I think taking that away is actually a really good move. Um, I don't think I would really run allies again. I was more curious and wanted to just use the stuff that I bought used for my brother <laughs> before he moved. <laughs> so I thought, hey, I'll just chuck something together and have fun with it, which it was fun. So I think, yeah, an optional rule is the way it should be. I feel like I arrived just as like the the band became like, pop and mainstream and like a lot of the fun stuff that i enjoyed before <laughs> back in the day is getting taken out because i thought allies was one of the coolest things about the game when i first <laughs> learned about it i'm like you can bring anyone just kind of like this alignment limit and i was like oh man you can have such crazy matchups mm -hmm. um nope you guys are nerfing it oh well <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's an optional rule and, and to be fair there's probably going to be a ton of events that'll continue to use it i mean we've used it up until this point uh, every masters, there's tons of tons and tons of allies. It's yet to be seen if if it, if it phases out. I mean, I think I think Mantic's position is that well, it's a double edged sword. On one hand, you want people to be creative and to come up with some really narrative stuff and say, "Oh man, mm -hmm. look at this cool Empire Dust Army that has this forces of nature ally, right? Allies that are you know, and there's a whole story to explain it on the on the competitive side. You know, it's hard to balance all that stuff when you can literally take anything you want so 
at the end of the day, I tell everybody, it's your game. Play, you know, if you want to play with allies, play with allies. And on that note, you know, you guys seem like a, a pretty narrative bunch in the sense that mm-hmm. I think you like a lot of cool stuff. If you guys haven't, you should definitely check out Destiny Kings. There's asymmetric play in there with different. It's it's an older uh, supplement that, that integrates Dungeon Saga into Kings of War, but sweet the Kings of but the Kings of War uh, scenarios are super awesome, especially. I mean, it's really designed for a bass land versus abyssal army, but you could just, you know, basically the abyssals show up on the table and they just keep coming and keep coming. And you've got this like heroic last stand of bass land trying to defend stuff and it's cool, but you could, you could swap out any good army for one, for an evil army, right? Asymmetric play is, 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 is my jam in terms of narrative. Um, and now that we've got siege rules, I'm, I'm even, yeah. I'm even happier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're still, yeah. let's get to the chase. I'm sure you guys have heard rumors and stuff. What are you guys most looking forward to in this big red book? I heard that uh, Phoenix now get uh, Cloak of Death on top of Regeneration. So sweet, hot. <laughs> Absolutely, Literally. yeah. It, it, I think it's 145 points now, and then you pay it like it. it Cloak of Death slash Cloak of Life is an upgrade. It's a legendary upgrade, so you can do one Phoenix with that, and I think it's 30 points. And then yeah, you can. It's. It, I'm a big fan of when things go a la carte. Give me my base. Give me, give me my base, my hamburger, and let me put my fixings on it the way I want. <laughs> you know, the new sort of like the new game modes. Um, something that I remember reading about in in Siege is that like you can take, or for legendary games, you could take more allies and they work a little differently to sort of like make it probably to make it a little easier to sort of just like well let's just slap our armies together and play a huge game against these dudes, which I think sounds awesome. Uh, like yeah, the the new game types that. Like I said, I think they lend themselves well to narrative play. Are really appealing for me, and presumably there will be rule stuff that impacts me. I don't know. Legendary <laughs> also adds really custom monsters. So, man, yeah. oh, yeah. how about a three hundred? How about a three hundred and fifty square yeah. millimeter base with this in, in crazy looking Hydra or something? You know, like Pretty something sweet. that's just insane. Yeah, so you get Kaiju in there. Completely unbalanced. Exactly. Completely imbalanced, but uh, totally fun that, to play. That's the point. It's supposed to be unbalanced. You know? That's right. That's just right. Chuck Over dice. the top. Anybody else got anything exciting that they're, that they're uh, waiting for? I'd just say Ambush. Ambush seems like my jam. I mean, as I mentioned before, Brian Novak's down the road. He's stoked for that. And I like smaller games, so I think that's going to be the way. And it's small enough that he may actually get some elves painted. <laughs> yeah, that's what he was <laughs> telling me, too. <laughs> Yeah, I just think it's fun. Like what Nate was saying, like, oh, we can get variety because, uh, oh, I could just show up and we could just get a thousand points together. Or I guess, what is it, 995 or something? Like yeah, just paint that up. That's quick and easy. That's not so bad. Yeah. And too, from like a, a, a new player's point, I mean, like, that's what, like an army box? Yeah, I guess you're right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah or, it's or not, not even to it's go. a small army box, probably. Yeah, yeah, the little ones, not the mega ones. It's like, yeah. or it's easier to go from, it makes it easier to go from like uh, starter set to, like, oh, well, you know, I want to learn this army and I don't want to have to buy all this stuff. I mean, you could get away with a lot of proxying and stuff, but it's 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 really nice playing with painted models. It's <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's an that's almost happening. unique experience for me for the tournament where it's like everyone's models are painted. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, painted models, yeah, that, that does change the whole game. It makes it into a visual spectacle for sure. Yeah, 100%. Is there any rules that when you started the game, you're like, oh, this is confusing? It's almost perfect but um i really took me a while to figure out that individuals and it being one model on a base are not the same thing <laughs> oh yeah no that makes sense 
Yeah, use dual. Yeah, individual is a rule, not a bit. Yeah, an individual is a rule. That that's fixed like, in fourth edition, right? You renamed it. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's still called individual. <laughs> I can see coming from other game systems, it w- it would be confusing, right? Pathfinder versus Strider. Oh still, yeah. Still, I get those two switched around in my head all the time. Still, and Scout. <clears throat> Scout's a particularly bad one because it used to be called Vanguard, and then they came out with a game called Vanguard, so they had to rechange the name to something else, so they changed and, it to Scout. And uh, everyone who's been playing this game for more than four years keeps telling me that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, well, because Vanguard yeah, it's was the rule in Warhammer. That was the same rule where you get to mm-hmm. scoot your guys up before the game starts, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think but so. But to, to, to Daniel's point, you know, Strider just means you're never hindered. And on that note, is anybody a uh, little leery that our, our favorite Mac Wars push of the Caterpillar that gives a unit Pathfinder is no longer in the game? Oh, it's straight up gone? It's straight up gone. Playing with it. <laughs> yeah, Sir Jersey's Boots of Striding now give you the option to have Strider and Pathfinder for a turn. Oh, so it's just rolled into one thing. Rolled into one thing. Okay. And it's only one okay. use only. And uh, only one unit can have it. So Only okay. one unit can have it. It changes a ton. I think it makes the units that have Pathfinder inherent uh, or built in. Maybe gives them better. a little bit of a benefit. Nothing used to break my immersion and charging knights into a forest. How'd it make any sense? <laughs> it's fantasy. So, man. Have, it's fa- yeah, it's fantasy. Yeah. Take the historical context and throw it over your shoulder. <laughs> any other rules that that uh, the tripped you up? Lightning bolt. Lightning bolt. Lightning bolt. Uh, just the fact that that nothing is really safe from lightning bolt. It's I rough. Lightning I mean, bolt. <laughs> it, it does take cover. You get some of those Ratkin armies that have just, or even the the ogre spam with the warlocks. Obviously, you guys did the Michigan GT. Any other events on your radar? Probably War Kings. I know that that's coming up. They, they're, that's they're in Ohio, me. right? Yeah, yeah, that's not War too Kings far. In Dayton, I think the Dayton area. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's like yeah. I, that's so. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely considering War Kings. Uh, we'll see if I I have to make. I guess I have to make a decision fairly soon as to whether I want to go down there. But um, it's like, do I want to play my ogres again? I'm a little burned out. But <laughs> uh, I yeah. will not have another army in time. So I'm like, we'll see. But like. That that one's. I mean, that's the next one. Uh, there's we. There's been talk of some like one days in Michigan. Oh yeah, um, which would mm-hmm. be cool. That'd be cool. Um, where we're at in Detroit, Lansing, Grand Rapids. It's in the air. It could be anywhere. Who's running Rebel at Land? That uh, Chris DeGrew was talking about uh, running something up in uh, Midland. Okay. Yeah, like um, Midland. We're doing a one day up there, which that'd be that's a nice uh, nice trip to, to head up that way. So it's not too far, you know. No, it's, no, it's, 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 it's reasonable about, for a one day. Yeah, I think it's about an hour for for all of us, which isn't that much different from trying to go to, to Detroit or Lansing. So yeah, absolutely. It's the triangle, the triangle. Yeah, Rob, um, go find out the Canadians who play King of War. Like Canadians come here all the time, so yeah, and uh, they can just all come down and play here in Michigan. <laughs> well, so uh, one of my co-hosts, Alex Coos, uh, is from the Toronto area. It's there you not go. In Toronto, okay. but, and uh, yeah. they do have an event called uh, Kings Behind the Wall. I've been telling him all the time. I mean, come down to Michigan and play. But he's 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 nervous. He's scared about coming. He does. I don't think he feels like he's competitive enough to. to I'm just kidding. Uh, but I I think uh, certainly there, there's Canadians there, and then obviously we've had the the guys from Edmonton on, and the and some of the guys from Vancouver on. There's there's pockets of Kings of War dotted across. I don't know if there's right across from you guys, like in Windsor. I don't know. Probably not. Well, there probably is some people, but I haven't been put in touch with them yet. So fingers crossed. Maybe this is this is the call out. If you're playing uh, in Canada, 
within driving distance of Detroit, let us know. Uh, all of I'm... Canada is in driving distance yeah. of Detroit. Well, that's true. <laughs> everybody, everybody, it's all it's all relative, right? Windsor Absolutely. just is South Detroit. It's the same, it's just a different country. No big deal. This is probably not a question for Scott, but for those of you that do the social medias and the podcasting and the YouTube, what are some of your favorite channels and some of your you know other podcasts that you guys listen to? Uh, and it don't necessarily have to be Kings of War related. Just just give us some fun stuff that you know other listeners might oh i i need to try that any suggestions um you guys and uh direct misfire were the two that that really uh i was i was listening to on a a very regular basis uh last year when i was trying to figure out okay how do i play this kings of war without actually getting to play anybody before jumping into the tournament (laughs) it was a tough Uh, time it was a tough time for a lot of people yeah that um that and uh uh one northern king um but uh blog yeah, yeah, that uh, that was was their uh, army reviews were super helpful in in figuring out what the different armies do and what looks good, what doesn't necessarily, and that sort of thing. Um, I follow I follow Dash Twenty Eight on uh, on the their blog mostly, and I'm I'm terrible at podcasts. I uh, like listening to them. the The only other one, I mean, besides like this that I actually ever really listen to is um, the PBS Eons podcast. Which, if you're into um, paleontology or geology or the associated ologies. Um, that's just an amazing like podcast and, and YouTube channel um, that I, I, I can't listen to without like paying attention to. I have to like just sit down and watch it. It is a good like, you know, here's just 15, 20 minutes of like, oh, did you know about these uh, early human ancestors that we found in a cave? That's really hard to get to. Well, now you do. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Yeah, I love them. I can't stop talking about them. Anybody else got any uh, good suggestions? I mean, I don't know if I... I mean, I, I definitely do like podcasts. I, I just like stories. I mean, um, I don't do the Audible thing. I think it's way too expensive. I'm all about downloading them. Spotify has audiobooks now. Yeah, they do have that. And honestly, hey, Countercharge, you guys are on Spotify. Yeah, we are on so Spotify. Is that, is that where you guys... Is that where you listen, Scott? That's where I listen. Yeah, I think Spotify okay. is a pretty good product. Uh, I mean... I think it's worth nine bucks a month or whatever I pay. I mean, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just use Google. The, the Google works too, or just the or just our website. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to certainly know that you can you can stream it right from our website. And then there, obviously a lot of people use iTunes or you know the, that Apple family of products. And yeah, there's there's so many good so many good. And, and we didn't touch on it, but obviously the Drunken Disorder that's a podcast out of the uh, in the Pennsylvania area, which is Kings of War related. Really, really, really good, really good stuff. So uh, there's, you know, a Mantic Universe podcast, which is a newer one that just started. Uh, if, if, it's interesting because you have an English guy living in Germany and a German guy. Uh, so they, they have a different take uh, on, 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 on the, you know, Mantic in, in the universe. And, and they cover, they touch on a lot. You know, we touch on, you know, it's mostly Kings of War and with a little bit of, little bit of firefight. And we do Armada and Vanguard and some other stuff mixed in occasionally. But they, on every episode, try to hit on hit on everything so and to be fair we used to do that we were called mantic radio back in 2013 and we tried to do that and it just it's too much work like you gotta at some point you gotta go okay i'm gonna focus on this because where, where do you draw the line like no that's available and that's available yeah, yeah, just seems like a good problem yourself. to have too much content yeah that's a good problem to have for mm-hmm. sure from a, from a content standpoint uh anybody else kind of thing what about youtube channels anybody got any uh, good painting youtube channels or army building or anything like that i adore sonic sledgehammer He's one of one of several Kiwis that I have discovered on YouTube, along with the Australians. They're really into wargaming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he he posts probably two or three times a week. He just he just paints minis and he's 
he's very good at it and he's a like a good like teacher i've learned a lot from watching his stuff mm-hmm. i follow a lot of like terrain youtube channels like for terrain building and stuff i'd say my my big ones uh i mean black magic craft is a, is a very con- is a very he's famous awesome. one he's awesome yeah i have gotten into uh i really like bill making stuff who does do a lot of terrain stuff but he also like he builds mini sometimes just all kinds of random stuff i also oh, who else um there's a couple of the smaller ones like haunts wargaming and uh, i'm trying to think of some of the others like sort of uh or like the kv forge they're they're smaller channels that do i mean a, a lot of these guys are building mostly like D terrain but the stuff is you know applicable across really 28 millimeter overall those are probably the big ones right now oh actually there's a there's an australian uh goes by rfd hobby he hasn't been posting a lot lately he's had some like medical problems but his stuff is great he's he's really good he also tends to do some more like historical stuff that isn't quite as quite you know as much like oh it's 40k it's like here's how to make the umpteenth you know rusted silo or whatever which is fine like there's different Mm -hmm. techniques for rusted silos yeah i i I really like sonic sledgehammer is for like gaming or for you know for like painting stuff there's a couple other channels like little wars tv is all historical but they do some really great love i love their podcast i love their videos yeah little wars is great um i recently discovered old hammered um which is mostly uh, they they mostly do like skirmish games, um, but they do the like, fun little battle reports. Oh, uh, Broken Terrain is another great terrain guy. Um, he's actually in Michigan, and um, he's he's just like such a nerd dad. He's just like super stoked about all the stuff he makes, and he's just like really right. excited and like energetic and like fun to watch. And that's great. Like I. Cause it's like, cause I mean, like, cause he's not, he's not taking it like super seriously. And it's just like, yeah, he's just like clearly having a lot of fun doing what he's doing. And most That's of these awesome. guys are, I think, but you know, it's just like, that always stands out to me. Like he has a hard time getting through videos without gushing about how excited he is about the thing he made. <laughs> That's awesome. Passion. Yeah. It's hard to make up passion, right? Passion yeah, exactly. Sure. Well guys, I know we've been at it for two hours. I, I just, uh, before we close out the show, an opportunity, if you guys have any shout outs, uh, here's your opportunity, Scott. You want to start us off? Yeah, yeah. Actually, if uh, if you need uh, magnetic bases for any of your really rank of flank war games, check out Key Row Games on Etsy. Uh, it's like our ancient Roman symbol that I thought was right. Cool. Just uh, link in the show notes. Okay, link yeah, the, I'll do that. Link, link in the in show fact, notes. I always have it up, so I'll do that right now. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Anybody else have any shout outs? Shout out to Scott for running the Discord or having the Discord that <laughs> had the four of us talking for the last year. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. And let's let's give a shout out to that. So if you're in the Metro Detroit area, uh it is called the Discord channel. Met is Dead called Cow. Met Dead Cow. And we'll have a yeah. link to it in the uh, a link to the Discord server in the show notes. So if you are so inclined, by all means, uh reach out to Scott and, and uh, he will probably introduce you to everybody. It's been a very welcoming group. I just talked about a bunch of a bunch of YouTubes, so <laughs> Fantastic. that's uh yeah, uh, watch YouTube. There's once you once you find a creator like in the kind of like gaming or like well, we're in like the hobby kind of space is where I'm at. Like you will find more. You will just keep finding more and more and more and more. <laughs> like I, I think currently I'm following like 70 people on YouTube and, and probably 
uh, probably at least 40 of those are specifically mm. like crafting related. Some of them are kind of like, we don't haven't posted anything in a while, but you know, it, it, nothing, nothing better than those one days where you log in, you check your description. It's like, Hey, look, this guy came. He's, he is alive. He yeah. hasn't had anything in nine months. Bonus. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> He's good. That's <laughs> right. He didn't fall in the ocean. Awesome. Well, Daniel, uh, any shout outs? As far as the, the YouTube goes, that uh i know he's kind of uh moving on out of it but uh steve hildrew's channel on there that uh his community updates were were part of what inspired me to start uh digging into the game a bit more um his learn to play get a uh, series of videos um they were pretty great as well but uh yeah that's what i can think of off the top of my head on that and i know i've said it a couple times but i'll say it again it's an interesting community and obviously daniel and i uh, finding out that he lives across the street from my mother at the tournament was like, I'm still like, that's just weird. <laughs> like, it's just like, and the fact that I'm looking at his basement and I remember, I can see the spots where I used to play ping pong. And the <laughs> fact that he's sitting in a chair where I used to sit in a chair playing on Rhonda's computer. But that was back in like the early 90s. Well, I didn't have a computer. So I'd go across the street and use her computer. It's just, it just, I don't know. It's one of those things where it just like, it's one more example of how great of a community we have and, uh, it's just how interconnected we all are. Well, guys, I really appreciate you guys taking the time. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, it was so, yeah. So we'll definitely have to catch, get you guys back on again as you continue your Kings of War journey. Does one of you guys want to take us out? Uh, I, I, guess, I guess I will. If, if that's, if that's what we need, we need someone to do it. Yeah. Scott, all right, are, yeah, are, yeah. are you the champion we need? I, I will the be champion we deserve. The hero I will we be deserve. the champion. That's you, right. you, I guess I guess it's up to you guys if you deserve or need it, but either way, I guess I don't know if, Really, I guess what to say, except, hey, uh, I guess this was Countercharge, and I'm Scott Schlichter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. See, you can tell the guys don't listen to the podcast. You can always tell the guys don't listen to countercharge. So, I thank, thanks, Scott. Awesome. Are we all just supposed to go raw or something together? Yeah, yeah. I guess no, we, out we, we we usually go. Uh, always remember, keep countercharging. That's usually that's oh, usually okay. what, what we say. Uh, but that's okay, Scott. Scott, it's okay. Like, <laughs> this right here that's, that's, is all blooper. Where we make where we make fun of you charge. for not knowing our ending. It's like <laughs> hey, we'll have a that's blooper. Okay. I, I mean, I've listened to the podcast enough. I, I thought everyone just says bye. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, you know, those really long episodes, I can I can get it. Like yeah. at the end, you're like, I turn the damn thing off. Stop talking. <laughs> okay, so awesome. keep countercharging. <laughs>